Happy New Year! Happy New Year! It's 2020. It's sure new, bloody is. new decade. Yeah, how are you, Cal? You all right? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, how are you, yeah. listeners? Yeah, we hope you're very well. They've said, uh, so, they've, they've said something. This is, this is a, a new thing we're trying for the podcast this year, which is listener immediate feedback. We will ask you questions and you sort of just say the que- answers out loud to yourself. And then it's like you're part of the conversation. Uh, edit in some cheers in the background. Make it sound like yeah. we're at a, a rocking New Year's <laughs> Eve party. Uh, <laughs> we're recording Ooh. this on the 2nd of January. Um, but it's it's New Year somewhere uh, in how the world. Did, how did you ring in the new decade, Carl? Uh, me and my girlfriend stayed up playing a game called Telling Lies. Have you heard of that? Uh, no. It's the new game by Sam Barlow who made Her Story. Yeah. So you've, so you've played Her Story. Yeah, I've played uh, Her Great game. Game of yeah, the decade, it, one of them. Um, Find out so next time. Telling, telling lies is basically that. So you're, you're at a little computer, you're typing in words in order to get up video clips. But in this one, you're seeing the, the lives play out of four different people. And basically, you're looking into their Skype, like Skype video conversations and things, like things they've recorded on their phone. And um, one guy is an undercover cop. Like you, quickly, you quickly discover he's an undercover cop. And you're trying to figure out what he's done and what's happened and things. So the first word it comes up with is love, and it gives you five videos for that. And it gives that gives you something to work from. And you've got to figure out, like detective, what one, what the what the story is here, like what the actual story is, what's the point in all of this. And then two, you sort of start uncovering a lot of stuff about him and what he's done. Um and yeah, it's it's it's, it's very interesting. It's a very good detective uh thriller sort of like game. And um some of the something that we both really liked. Uh, Sorry if I'm typing. I've just I had two ideas for some of my games of a decade, which will be next podcast. I yeah, just to yeah write great. <laughs> what you're saying reminded me Focus of some of my games of the decade. First. <laughs> um, how did you see in the new year? Yeah, um, I was just hanging out with some friends in Swindon. Uh, I hadn't been in Swindon for New Year for a couple of years. I really wanted to see some friends there, so we just had a chill time playing games, playing Tetris a lot of it. Uh, te- oh really, Tetris? Te- Poyo Poyo Tetris for Switch. Okay, right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah, it was a chill time uh, with some good friends of mine. Uh, that nice. Was really nice. That sounds that sounds good. How was your Christmas? Because we've uh, also had Christmas mm. since we last recorded. Christmas was fine. I spent well. Actually, I chipped my tooth on Christmas dinner. Did I tell you this yet? What? No, you didn't tell me this. Ah, uh, I told bloody everyone else in my life. I complained to them. <laughs> I decided to spare you my whining. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, listeners, for those of you who don't know, I've been generally quite lucky in my life. Like, I've been a fairly healthy person, not really had any major health troubles, apart from my teeth are shit. Like, it's okay. like, you know, God or whatever was like, you can have healthy body, but, like, your teeth, no. Just no, not, not going to happen. I'm, I've had a tooth out, I've had a root canal, another one, and a crown. So, really, just like, yeah, I've, I've got so many fillings. I don't know what it is. I try and avoid sugar and fizzy drinks and so on. Uh, but for yeah, so, you brush I, your teeth. You brush I, do, teeth I brush my teeth twice a day, floss, mouthwash, all of it. Um, you know, I don't know what it is. I think both my parents kind of had bad teeth. So I think genetically, I maybe lost uh, the lottery on that one. So I just, <laughs> I've, I've got generally quite uh, like they're not like manky, like they're not like mm. stained or like bad breath or anything. Yeah, I never, just, I never had any issues with your teeth. Yeah, yeah, you've no, never. Not that you, I personally would have issues with yeah. your teeth, but I never like looked at you and be like, no. But you know, it's teeth. not like I've got bad breath or like manky teeth or anything. But it's just like I get fill it. Like you know, I fairly regularly the dentist tells me you got a filling. Uh, if I can go a year without getting a filling, that's a good year for me. So you know, really, what, I didn't even I didn't notice about you. Yeah, just generally, I'm. I have pretty my teeth are prone to rot. I don't know what it is. I try and mm. you know do all this stuff. Um, you know, 
Yeah, just I've, I've got bad bad luck with teeth. So would it not be cheaper at this point to just have them all out? Get them all them out. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know how much an implant is? It's no. a couple of grand. It's Wait a lot for of money. one tooth. Yeah, for one. If you want an artificial implant, uh, that's a lot of money. What about those like dentures that people have? Oh, you can get a denture. Yeah, I mean, if you want like a an implant, like it's put in your jaw. Um, no, that's not. Just yeah, just have like some, full some fake teeth dentures or something. That you yeah. just pop in if, whenever you need. Yeah, I'll try yeah. that out. Maybe. <laughs> well, get them all. I think it's a bit rash. Get all your teeth out. Well, how much does it cost you to like go to the dentist and stuff, like to get them taken out and things? Uh, so on the NHS, uh, if you didn't know, listener, here's um, <laughs> NHS knowledge. Uh, if yeah. you're getting paying for dentistry on the NHS, there's three bands of treatment. So band one is just like a checkup. That's like thirty quid if you're not getting um, any assistance. Uh, band two is like sixty quid, and that's like fillings. I think. Maybe a crown is 60. I don't know about band two or band three. And band three, oh, it's like a hundred and something pound. And that's like everything else you can get done with the NHS. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll go to the dentist at some point. I've, I've got no issues with my teeth whatsoever. I, okay. I've actually been fine with my teeth. You, I mean, do you never been... go to the dentist? No, I never needed uh, to. Anyway, I mean, I've, I've, got... I've not been in like in like 10 years. I, anyway, I went when I was younger. All but... right. Well, one of my molars, which I've had a few problems with, uh, big filling in, uh, eating Christmas dinner. We didn't even have um, British Christmas dinner. Because oh, yeah, I my forgot par- where the story started now, but now I remember. <laughs> my parents moved to a new house and um, the kitchen is a bit poorly designed. It's got one small oven, smaller than what they had before. And whoever designed the kitchen decided to put the oven directly behind the open door. Like when the door opens, it opens out onto the oven. Ridiculous. Uh, so a ridiculous my mu- design decision. Yeah, so my, my mum was like, I'm not cooking Christmas dinner this year. It's too much, like, hassle. Like, everyone's going to be going people, in and out of the kitchen. Might open the door. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. And, you know, um, yeah, people are going to be going in and out of the kitchen. I'm not going to bother. Just going to cook a nice Iranian meal. Like, my mum's Iranian. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so she cooks a nice Iranian meal. And it was a, a kind of stew. Like, rice and, like, a like a stew kind of thing. And okay, soft, sounds good. Softest of meals. Halfway through, I realised... I've lost a bit of my tooth, like from from one of my molars, and I didn't even feel it come away or break or anything. It just evidently was probably near to the point of breaking, just kind of came away. Um, God. So that yeah, so that was now it could have been worse. I didn't have any pain with it. It was just the outside of a tooth. You know, it could have worst case scenario is really like I have to go to A and E on Christmas Day to see an emergency dentist. I didn't that have is to a do worst that. Case scenario. <laughs> that yeah, I did, so did, didn't have to do that. Uh, but I did have a few days where I've got kind of a hole in the outside of my tooth, and I had to make you know Christmas Day. I couldn't get an appointment. I couldn't phone the dentist until the twenty seventh, and that was a Friday. So they were like, "Come in Monday." Or get you in nine o'clock Monday, which is good. Yeah, thankful that I got in that quick. So I yeah. had to go, and my dentist is in London, and I was in Swindon. So I had to come, go to London for nine o'clock Monday morning. You know, I went, uh, stayed overnight on the Sunday. Um, took the opportunity to drive some stuff up from my parents' house because again, my parents have moved house where we li- previously lived. For you know, I grew up in that house, so it's me sorting through a few decades worth of crud that has been. Mm. You know, that I accumulated in that old house uh, when I was a teenager. So I've been kind of sorting through that, throwing stuff away, taking stuff to London with me. Uh, so good news is, tooth's alive. Don't need a root canal. The tooth is alive. <laughs> good. So okay. that tooth is alive. Um, what do you mean and, alive? Like, so, you know, your teeth have like this a root. This is the tooth like, cast now. I don't even care about yeah, getting uh, it's the dentistry. Year, whatever. And I know, I know about dentistry because I've had so many fillings. So like, you know, <laughs> your teeth have like a root, right? I j- okay, okay. I just thought teeth were like just bones. So teeth, you've got like the bone bit, like the outside and like the enamel. Yeah. And then inside, you know, you get like toothache. 
Because yeah. your, your teeth have like nerves. There's like a your teeth are alive, and there's like a nerve in the centre. I, I of assume that's just nerves in the gum rather than the no, tooth no, itself. No, no, you, each individual tooth does have a nerve. It has a root that stretches up into your mouth, and oh. it has a nerve in the centre. So if a teeth, uh, so if a te- tooth dies, that's bad. They have to take it out normally, or do a root canal, which is when they kind of take out the dead root and replace it uh, with like an artificial filling. Um, so yeah, so good news is the tooth is alive, but like the nerve in that tooth is alive, so I don't need a root canal. She gave me a filling and said, you know, it's getting that tooth is a bit more filling than tooth we're getting there. But she, she said this joke. one will last like she at made least. The it... joke. <laughs> well, uh, she didn't exactly say that. Um, That'll be sixty but... pounds, please. <laughs> but she said this filling will last like at least a year, and after oh, that we might, have to, we might have to consider getting a crown or something done. But because you give me the filling that lasts longer than a year, please. Well, it's um. Is yeah, there's only so much you can fill a tooth. It's in a sensitive spot as well. It's on what's called my eating cusp, which is like a part of a tooth that takes the most brunt of like the eating. So which tooth is it? It's like my first um, proper molar. So you've got your okay, again. You're going to have to just tell, give me like a direction. Okay, I don't know so what molar is all right. So you remember your primary school uh, health <laughs> no. size? Your front no. teeth are called your incisors. <laughs> okay, and then the the pointy ones called the canine. Is the molar the one in between? Um, no, no. So you've got four incisors at the front. Oh, yeah. okay, right. And then the pointy one's called... I'm gesturing to my mouth. The pointy one's called the canine. I've got my thumb in my mouth and right then, now. And then immediately back from the canine, you've got the, the premolars, which are like the small okay. ones. And yeah. then you've got two premolars, and then you've got a big molar. I'll just eat on you... the other side of your mouth then. No, but well, I'm missing that molar on the other side of my mouth. Oh. Yeah. Oh, for God's so, sake! So that's how. No, but you know what? This if is all there's in a my, problem, you've you've got it. You've got you know it already. This is all in my upper jaw. My lower jaw is doing all right. Great. All right. This is all in my upper mouth. I was I so, was concerned actually about your lower jaw. So I'm glad you said that. So I'm go- now, listeners. If you ever find my body, you can identify me from my dental <laughs> record. You know all about my mouth now. Uh, anyway, so I hope that that's, was... none of, I hope that's none of your security questions. <laughs> how many Which... teeth do you have? Not all of them. <laughs> So that was your Christmas. Was, yeah, it, I mean, was it good so, otherwise? Yeah, it was good. Um, yeah, I enjoyed seeing my parents. I saw friends back home. Uh, a bit of stressful going back and forth to London for the dentist and stuff. Mm. Uh, but, you know, uh, yeah, it was nice. I watched all of The Expanse um, on Amazon. You don't okay, watch The nice. Expanse, do you? I don't know. No, but The Expanse is really good. I should invite a friend on to do um, an Expanse cast. Do it. Um, do, go do. for it. Um yeah, so that would be <laughs> great. I've, I've watched that. I played some games. You know, it was a fun time. I'm back in London now. What about you? Yeah, mine was good. Uh, I spent it with my girlfriend, who then had to well, not had to, who then chose to go down south after <laughs> Christmas to see her family. While well, I stayed at home with the cat, I obviously had the intention of playing near in my five days off that I had for myself. I couldn't get it to work, so I said it for oh. two podcasts. I was going to play near, yeah, uh, and that was going to be my holiday game. Uh, and no, it, it it didn't it didn't work. So I played um, Disco Elysium instead, which is also which is very good. I'm glad I played that. But yeah, did my you, Christmas itself was good. Uh, did you give or receive any nice presents? Yeah, I gave lots of nice presents. I received lots of nice presents. Mm. It was it was very nice. Um, we don't have to get into to what presents okay. I okay. got. Not, what not pre- materialistic. Yeah, I okay. I don't, I don't I don't want to get make anyone else feel like maybe they didn't get enough presents. You, or you they say got as too you you drape yourself you know. in gold. Yes. <laughs> Can you not hear my gold? I've got gold teeth now, Scott. Yeah. So true. I was suggesting that you replace your teeth because I've replaced my With pure gold. gold. 
Uh, no, actually, they're diamonds. Um, I wanted the hardest substance. Um, yeah, so and they're all really pointy now as well. They're all razor yeah. sharp. <laughs> just, just, diamonds. just fangs, all of them. Um, that'd be great. That's a good idea. Someone should get on that. If I okay, if I was ever really rich, I think that's something I would do. Just what places with diamonds. Not necessarily that, but I would do things, do things to my body, um, to make it easier to do other things. Get, like, getting your teeth out is quite unpleasant. Like it's yeah, I put to sleep about it. Okay, I, but I, afterwards I, you have to recover from it as well. Why do I need to recover from diamond things? No, but when uh, your look, teeth the food's come out, gonna have to recover, Scott. That's the that's okay. what's going on here. Um, but dentist gonna have to recover when you bite his hand off. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know how like a big question in like cyber cyberkinetic not cyber what am i looking for like cyberpunk things like the big question is oh is it too far to augment your body that sort of thing mm-hmm. like, it, at what point are you no longer human um i don't care about that question i would if i was super rich i'd be like augmenting everything oh uh, you see no, i'm the opposite i'm prejudiced against machines already <laughs> i like, keep you my know, stomach and i keep my taste buds but everything else no whatever go like forward. you know how old people today are like racist against yeah. uh, black people and stuff but yeah. like i've just as a young, old man, young people are also racist towards yeah black yeah people, that's but, true yeah. yeah but you know how like i decided my old man prejudice is i'm gonna be against like machines and aliens okay <laughs> aliens as well aliens so i'm gonna be i'm what? human i would say keep the earth human <laughs> human centric right. so wait so, so like, we're gonna grow up i'm gonna get my cybernetic Im- like, implants <laughs> it might things. cause a rift <laughs> Gonna cause a rift in our friendship. <laughs> Look, I am all for complete equality amongst humans. All right, but <laughs> no robots, no no androids, cyborgs, no aliens. All right. What about, pet, what about pets? Uh, and yeah, animals are fine. Um, <laughs> so, I, but only natural animals, not augmented animals, not robot dogs, not those Sony robot dogs. Hot property, two thousand and one. Um, so what you're saying is. You sound like you sound like a religious fanatic. You're like <laughs> anything under God's creation. That's what I'm for. And but the anything kids not these cre- days, anything not created by God. These robot dogs. <laughs> why? Why do they have to carry these monsters in their pockets? <laughs> Look, when I've got my cybernetic eyes, which allow me to see like miles away, and you're just like, oh, so stupid. What do you need that for? What? What's wrong with your normal <laughs> eyes? Then you'll be sorry. Okay. We'll see how it works out, listener. <laughs> Christmas was good. New Year was New Year was good and chilled. Um, but enough about that. <laughs> Let's Ooh. talk about video games. Well, um, this is a special edition podcast. Yeah, it is. Um, uh, <laughs> how do we even start this? It's, uh, the game so the, it's, like, it's our Games of the Year podcast. Be- right now, it's beginning of 20... It's our second annual... Um, uh, the second annual game of the year, the 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 geekies, the nerd dog yeah. geekies. But I'm not really, I don't really consider it like a game of the year podcast. So I'm not going to actually. The, the Nalgies. The Nalgies. I have got a list of like things in order. It's going to be a video format, which I'll release shortly after this podcast. Yeah, Cal's going to make a video. I'm not. But in terms of like the discussion here, I'd rather not like list anything or put it in any order. I'd rather just discuss. Five of our favourite games yeah. of this year. Yeah, but I, I'm the same. So you know? 2019, I think we're both agreed, was a real knockout year for games. It, I think okay, it's been okay. a brilliant year. It was a really good year, but which didn't really have many surprises, I think. I think you can very easily tell that the generation, uh, certainly like the main console, that generation, not, not including the Switch, but the main console generation is sort of wrapping up because a lot of the games that came out... 
a stuff that we've sort of seen before. There was nothing really where I thought, oh shit, that is like there was no near auto near automata this year. You know, for example, for example, um, there was nothing where I just played it and thought. This is unlike anything I've ever seen. This has changed well, I my perspective. There were some really good, games. surprising uh, indie games. Yes, definitely. But no, but no shock announcements. But nothing, but nothing like that was particularly shocking. I think one of the most shocking things that happened this year was, for example, the Cadence of Hyrule, and that was only because it was Nintendo letting an indie studio do something else with one of its properties. You know, I think, I think, I think what you got this year was an advancement in games that already existed or genres that already existed and it was it, was, it felt more of a of a step forward rather than a leap which is natural because you've got new consoles coming out next year yeah and how which people are going to do things with that, that you know we were wrapping up the decade as well with some of the yeah you know, kind of a, some, some culminations of a lot of design trends uh, this decade it is it's exactly that is it this this year has been an absolutely incredible year for games in that they're like it's it's been like a just more of what we already expect, but like better than ever. Like I think some of the games released this year are the best games of those in their franchise. Like Fire Emblem, for example, is the best Fire Emblem has ever mm-hmm. been. Um, so I, I think it's been, yeah, it's been a really good year. I played forty-one, so not including games I've played over the break because I did play a few from this year over the break. But I think not including those, I played forty-one different games that released this year. Whew. Which is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that might actually be more than I play most years. And I still um, got games I didn't get to play. Yeah. So it's it's definitely been a good year. There's been some I, stinkers. I there's mean, some games... Ha- oh, yeah. Well, we're, was, we're not going to talk about those. But there were some games that I was like really looking forward to at the start of the yep. year, which I ended up just completely disliking. Like Astral Chain, I think if we listen to the podcast from last year where I talk about games that I'm really looking forward to. I'm like, Astral Chain's going to be game of the year. And I played it and I'm like, I really don't like this at all. Um, so it's, it's it's not been all amazing, but I think it, in terms of like a year for games, it's been really good. That's yeah, my, that's exactly. my and for, for a while there, we had a, like a major game release from Nintendo every month. Yeah, that seems to be yeah. how they've sort of been with the Switch, I think. It's sort of trying to make mm. sure there's something... something not not even if not less like massive, but something like substantial releasing each month, which is good. Um, I think it's been a great year for PC. I think it's been a really good year for indie developers. As we've seen a lot of like, really good stuff come out from indie developers. Um, very quiet on the Sony front. Uh, did Sony release any games this year? I I don't have a PS4, so I wasn't even paying attention. I, I do have a PS4. Did uh, Death Stranding? Oh yeah. Okay, they released Death Stranding. Um, Anything? Can you go? Can you like? God you of War was name, last you year, could, right? You so. could probably name some some Microsoft games, but could yeah. you like actual like? I don't. I don't know. Yeah, God of War was was last year. Uh, no, but then again, I don't follow PlayStation. So. No, I suppose, I suppose not. But yeah, it's it's been. But then obviously you've got Microsoft like knocking it out of the park with Game Pass and and their their whole thing buying up studios and stuff. It's been. It's a been bit an, more concerned about Microsoft buying up a lot of indie studios, but the Game Pass has been pretty good. So. They've been pretty good at letting indie studios still mm. release their games on other platforms. I, I've still got my eyes on you, Microsoft. But like, my, like Minecraft you've, is you've, still you've out been, on everything. You've been all right so far, but yeah. you know, I, I'm <laughs> One watching wrong you. Move. Yeah, you know, I, I'm watching you, and then you'll get called out on a minor video game podcast. <laughs> well, you think we're you think we're as big enough to be called ourselves minor? <laughs> I think <laughs> probably sub minor. <laughs> Uh, what have you thought about this year as a whole? Like you said, you said it's like some strong games. Yeah, this year. really enjoyed. Honestly, come the end of twenty eighteen, twenty eighteen has some great games, but I was really kind of struggling. I remember we did this last year. I kind of struggled to really 
assemble like a best of like games that really made an impact yeah. on me this year no problem like yeah. it was difficult to cut it down if Absolutely. anything and yeah knockout year really can't believe can't believe where the time's gone there are games on this list but i think was that really like 2019 yeah that's that's yet, been the thing isn't it, it? like just being like oh did that actually release this year it's like for for as quick as years feel I look back at this year and I think, oh, this has been a long year. <laughs> this is this year is really. There's been <laughs> some stuff has happened this year. I mean, the Randy Pitchford stuff was all this year. Ooh, oh yeah, um, that was this year. The the Blizzard stuff was more recent, and that still feels like absolutely ages ago. Um, what else has happened this year? God, it's it's been a long one. It's it's surprising. Um, so without further ado, we've got <laughs> five games each, and again, it's not. In any order, it's just five games that we we really enjoyed and we think made an impact on us. Although my five games are going to be from my top five, from my top ten. Yeah, sure. From a top Uh, ten video, stay tuned, coming soon. Yeah, it's probably going to release on the Monday after this podcast comes out. So, Or maybe before that, who knows. I'm trying not to put everything too close together, but I'm going to have to. Uh, Do you want to start? What's your your first game that you loved this year? Alright, first up, it is... Drum roll. That uh, is Tetris 99. What a game. Oh, what a great game. Okay, it, I, I lied when I said there were no big surprises this year. This was a huge surprise. We actually, this year I'm realising we had two um, amazing entries in the Battle Royale genre. Yeah. Um, but I'm thinking right. shout out to Apex Legends, which, well, I, I, spoiler. I, I, I'm, I'm going to be talking about that. Oh, you're going to be talking about that. But we had Apex Legends was also a great twist on the genre. But Tetris 99, what a genius idea. Whoever thought this would work. (laughs) Who saw this coming? Like, like, what came out of absolutely nowhere? From absolutely nowhere. I know Nintendo needed to have something to make their, like, online worthwhile. But I think Tetris 99 is a game which you could easily pay for the online just to play. It's that good. Yeah, it really was the thing they needed to justify it. And you know, I've, I've played it again this Christmas while I was at home. I was playing a lot of Tetris 99. It's still, it's amazing. It's You play Tetris, obviously, it's got the solid Tetris gameplay and you add into that the competitive element of a battle royale. Uh, especially, I fondly remember like the early days of that game when we were figuring out how it worked. Because yeah, it was, was thing, it also it? notable as like a game that didn't immediately explain its mechanics to you. You had to to figure out, yeah, how this um, thing. Went. I think I got most of the mechanics from googling it, like which I which I shouldn't have to do. Like, um, that's probably one of the only parts of the game where I'm like, well, maybe they could have done a bit more with that. <laughs> but I mean, it's it. They I can understand that they're trying to keep it as simple as possible, and they're like, hey, it's Tetris, but there's other people playing. Don't worry. I think about it, it it really came off as just like we didn't expect this to be as big as it yeah. got. Like this is kind of like a weird experiment that got pushed out, and then people loved it. It is really competitive like i love tetris probably no no it, enough is being said about tetris as one of the greatest games ever still you know incredibly compelling and it was something really special to play it is still is you can there's nothing quite as thrilling as this um this battle royale style gameplay in which there is just no place to hide it's and, probably and the, the most thing. stressed i've been this year with a video game yeah, yeah. and that's and that's the thing i honestly think you know, this year in games like Fortnite, we've seen um, a move 
to make players more aggressive. The, the use of bots, you said yourself, you play more aggressively now than you used to. I mean, it's partly kind of, because I've got, I've got more. I've got, I've been given yeah. an opportunity to actually get better at the game. But, but, but yeah, I, feel, I agree. I feel like games like Fortnite have really started to push players in their design to be more aggressive. Yes, and definitely. in that way, I kind of feel like that design decision, that impetus, comes from Tetris ninety nine. I could see it. If, if not Tetris ninety nine, then certainly Apex Legends, which is a lot more fast paced. Yes. But yeah, yeah I, could, exactly. I could completely but, see it. Um, it's a game in which there's no place to hide on this Battle Royale stage, so you're just forced <laughs> to kind of compete or perish, I guess. And that creates a really compelling... And the fact that matches are like 10 minutes, 15 minutes max, depending how long you go. Yeah. <laughs> it creates a really compelling gameplay loop, but I think it's not just like a really fun game to play. I think its, it's influence on the genre at large is quite evident. Oh, big time. Absolutely. I'm surprised... I'm not surprised... Okay, I'm not surprised... I am surprised, actually, in that it's still popular. You can jump into a game now very quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, it fills the games up incredibly fast. I know that's partly because people are getting knocked out very quickly, so they're just jumping back in. But it does speak a lot about how many people are actually still playing that game. That If you connect at any moment, it will quickly fill your game up with 99 other players. Or 98 yeah. other players. Most, most multiplayer games can't say that. Battle Royales tend to be able to, but if you, like... When I went to when I played Halo Reach recently on that recent stream, and I tried to find a multiplayer match. That took a while to find a match full with nine other people, and yet here you've got a game where you you're like instantly within seconds filled up with a game of ninety eight other people, which basically says that that game is still incredibly popular. Uh, yeah, I, a, ma- I, a major game for the Switch this year. What do you reckon they do with it going forward? Well, I, they've kind of done a few things. Like I really get the impression with the way that game's evolved is they kind of said, oh, shit, this is a lot more um, popular than we thought it'd be. How do we monetize it further? And they've kind of basically added kind of single-player stuff, which I don't really think makes sense for that game. No. But I guess if you want it, it's there. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you can kind of iterate on it like i think they kind I mean, of what, made what a they've perfect example they've, they've of that kind of game like, they were doing like theme stuff have you played any, any other theme events no so me and my girlfriend have so every every so often they'll do a weekend and they'll say hey there's a new theme out this weekend which basically changes the entire look of the game new sound effects new music new everything and it's usually to advertise another game that's coming out so for example there was a fire emblem one there's a pokemon one there was one of the original game boy tetris so i've got a game boy tetris theme on it which plays the original game boy music and everything in the same sort of chip tune a soundtrack but it's only for that weekend and only if you score enough points do you get to keep the theme and that's something that they've been doing quite a lot i think you can now also buy themes or earn them in some capacity by playing mm. the game but there's like i think having these little events especially around another game release encourages people to keep playing it but also advertises another game at the same time so it's sort of like a win-win situation for them so maybe that's what they do but i i think i mean in kind of advertising in monetary terms maybe in terms of just like game <laughs> I don't think they yeah. can improve on it, really. I mean, you can't. Maybe, may I mean, maybe in some way that I can't foresee. I don't claim to be all knowing. I would be but. interested to see it because battle royale games tend to live and die on how much they're able to adapt. You know, like Apex Legends has a new map out. Uh, Fortnite has a whole new season, like of 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 new content. Um, battle royale games are constantly adapting to what the what their players want from them. And I understand that Tetris mm. doesn't necessarily want that because it's a bit more simple than than just like a big yeah. open world. I mean, world, it's like still offering game. it. It's still offering a game that you can't get anywhere else, right? Yes, that's true. Yeah, but is that enough for forever? Probably, well, nothing lasts forever. No, of course not. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what they do. But I'm interested in it. I'm interested. In it. I'd like I'd like to see them continue to adapt. I'm surprised that, that we haven't seen 
I mean, maybe there's a lot of licensing issues involved, but more like classic arcade game in 99. Where's our Pac-Man 99? Yeah. Namkai? Namkai? Namco Bandai? Yes. (laughs) What are the rules around Tetris? Because Sony also released the Tetris game last year, Tetris Effects, for the PS4. Yeah. And that's like the opposite of this game. And it's more of a a musical uh, animation experience. You know, you're playing Tetris to create sounds and to create music and things. And I think it's on the Epic Games Store now as well. But... Does that mean that a company can just sort of like ask the Tetris people, hey, we want to make a game using Tetris and they've just got to get permission uh, for I, it? I've, like, got, I've got no idea who owns the Tetris license. I think it's owned by the Tetris company. I'm not sure what the owns actual name is, but I think I think Tetris. it might be the Tetris company. The Tetris company LLC is based in Hawaii. There you go. Uh, the company is the exclusive license of Tetris. Hold on to see. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so they, then they they okay, license the so, brand to third parties. There we go. Yes. So that's that's how it works. You can you can buy the Tetris license to do something that you want with it. Yeah, that's um, that's super weird. That, that, that anyone could really release a Tetris game, but like so, both Sony and Nintendo have licensed Tetris in the past yeah. year. I mean, as long as you can with. negotiate the rights with this company, I guess it's easy for Nintendo to do so because they've done it a bunch of times. But I wonder what. Hey, we want to license your game. We we, we want to license Tetris to make a battle royale game. Like, I wonder if that had to be an actual argument made, or if they were just like, "Fuck it, just give us some money." Also, yeah. we we want it to be the main game for our online service. I mean, I doubt they're really that concerned about like the the intellectual sanctity of Tetris. I guess not. You could buy fucking Tetris fridge magnets. Yeah, I guess I guess they don't care really. As long I'm as sure they want money. some money, so. Yeah, that's that's true. I wonder if there's like a quality assurance thing, like where they have to make sure like, before you release a game, like it meets certain standards to be set. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess they can, as the the license holders, they can just impose whatever reasonable kind of restrictions they want on the contract. So yeah, I guess it's up so. to how you negotiate with them. Interesting. Okay. Anything else you want to say about Tetris Ninety Nine? Um, do you want to try and get the Tetris license? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's try. Let's give that a we'll, go. We'll, we'll, do, we'll do a Kickstarter, listener. <laughs> we, we just need a few mil. We'll we'll get the Tetris license to do. What do you want to do with it? Um, we'll do um <laughs> the official Tetris podcast. Yeah, yes, no one exactly. else can have a Tetris podcast anymore. We're the official. One. Yeah, the official one. <laughs> we have the license. Uh, we'll talk about all the Tetris updates coming your way. <laughs> Next week, which block is best? <laughs> <laughs> God, okay. Uh, cool. Anything else you want to say about Tetris? Nah, that's good. You do one. All right. Well, well since we started talking about Apex Legends, I thought I'd, I'd let's, let me talk about okay. that then. Uh, Apex Legends, I'm a big Battle Royale fan. I've played quite a few of them. So I played to start with PUBG, then Fortnite, then Rings of Elysium, which is a free-to-play Chinese one, I think it is, which has some cool ideas. Tetris 99, of course, and then you also have um, Apex Legends. Apex Legends is another surprise of this year because uh, you got Remedy. And another game we got released for free. Yeah, exactly. Is it is it Remedy? No. Uh who made the Who made the game? <laughs> who made? Yes, you you like their games. Yeah, Respawn Entertainment. Remedy made Control. Uh, I always get those two mixed up. So Respawn Entertainment are responsible for the Titanfall series, and they've been very quiet recently. Titanfall Two completely bombed. Uh, they're owned by EA, so they you, they have to be doing something, surely. Otherwise, I'm not saying that EA? EA deliberately made Titanfall Two bomb. I'm definitely not saying that. <laughs> But, you know, Titanfall Two was was a was a shame, but it was a it was a brilliant game. So these guys 
know how to make first-person shooters. And so when word came that, oh, hey, there's going to be an announcement, they've got a little announcement video tonight, uh, and they'll be talking about their next game. Okay, that's, that's pretty interesting. That's like, like almost like a Nintendo Direct, but just for their next game. Okay, let's watch that. And then they announce it like, hey, here's Apex Legends. It's a free-to-play Battle Royale. You all love Battle Royales, right? Okay, it's it's the market's getting a bit saturated now, but okay, this is a bit worrying. Um, also, it's only multiplayer. You you have to fight in teams, so there's no solo mode. There's no duos mode. It's is only this teams. Rocksteady, we're talking about Respawn Entertainment. Respawn, okay. Rocksteady made the oh, Rocksteady over Arkham. All right, whatever. Yeah, that's it. R- Respawn. Um, Respawn <laughs> made the Titanfall and stuff. So, so here's our new game. It's a battle royale, which everyone's already sick of. Everyone's already made all the jokes about how everything's going to have a battle royale. It's only team based. Surely, like like anyone who listens to that without like seeing the game itself will probably think, "Oh fuck it, they've they've jumped the shark. They've they've gone to the they've fallen prey to EA's money grabbing." Um, they're just just trying to make a quick buck. But what you actually had here was a game that was brilliant out of the gate. Like the the team stuff works even when playing with strangers because of the whole ping system that they've got in place. Like something which hasn't been done for some reason in first person shooters before, and yet it makes so much sense. Anything you look at, you can just ping and be like, "Hey, your character's be like, hey, there's a there's a there's a gun here. There's a Mozambique here." Um, hey, there's some enemies over there. Hey, we should we should go look at this over over here. You Mozambique know? here. Mozambique here. Um, and and to just come out with that so confidently, and just being so sure like, hey, you're gonna love this. We've made we've made a good game here. To keep the sliding mechanics and the sh- the, the the incredible gunplay from Titanfall as well. Oh, it's just, it's just a, a it was a mesmerizing experience for me. I I, I think. A lot of people probably think that the battle royale space is sort of closed off now, right? Like you've got your Fortnite, you've got your PUBG. Who else can make room in this this battle royale space? And Apex Legends has sort of shown, hey, there is room for someone else to come in here, provided the game itself is good and doing its own thing. And I think that's what's so interesting about it is that Apex Legends, while being a battle royale similar to the others, is doing its own thing enough to the point where it feels completely different to play. Um, I think adding in the hero stuff as well really interesting so sort of like an overwatch cross with PUBG sort of thing where every character has their own ability so you've got some that are tanky some which are a bit more focused on fighting some which are focused on scouting and the characters themselves are interesting with a good range of uh, diversity to them in a way that didn't feel forced like some of overwatch's did whereas overwatch will constantly like pack it, patting themselves on the back like look how diverse we are this character's gay but not in game don't worry about it uh, you don't actually have to see that unless you look outside the game whereas he had a bunch of characters who were incredibly diverse but you didn't really have the developers going they're diverse you know look how diverse we are it just it just felt natural and it just felt uh, not real but it just it just felt like like it, it was earned in a way um and I think that's 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 really quite special to come to come to come out of EA of all places. It didn't feel like it was just there as a quick money grab. It felt like it had a lot of love and care into the game as a whole, and it's just continued that way since. They've had they've had some issues with like the skin selling and stuff. Like some of those skins are, are damn expensive. But if you even if you didn't spend any money at all, there is a lot of game here, and they don't really lock you out of any of it, which is. Um, it's, it's, it's really good. It's not nearly as in your face with the, with the skin stuff as Fortnite is, for example. So I think that's 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 really good, and that's sort of why Apex has really spoken to me this year. Um, you played Apex, right? Yeah, I played it with you. You did, yeah. What, what did what did you think? Like, how 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 have you felt about it? Hmm. It's been a while since I was really um, 
have played quite a bit of like an online shooter game. Yeah, uh, Apex is really good. It is. I, it was a genius. <laughs> it was a genius idea to combine hero shooter with battle royale. Again, a culmination of some of the design trends we've seen. In it is, isn't it? Yeah, the twenty tens. And yeah, I had a really good time, especially playing it with you. I thought uh, it was a real just. Yeah, you know, this is a, a like a so they captured a real kind of lightning in a bottle here. Yeah, with uh, you know, it's an idea that I think everyone probably working on these games wishes that they'd had. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Um, yeah, it's 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 it and to just release worked. it for free as well, and yeah. for it to be a massive success, especially from a company like EA. Like I'm loath to give EA EA any credit, and I'm pretty sure this happened in spite of them rather than <laughs> like because of them. But, it's it's funny you know, to me that this and, came and out this a another, week before Anthem. Yeah, and this is another thing of like, EA released a thing which they didn't think would really go anywhere. <laughs> and but they released become... it just in case, right? Like if it, it feels like this exists as a just in case Anthem doesn't work. Meanwhile, an Anthem didn't work. It was it terrible. Work. It Nobody was liked it. Yeah, it, which is like they they're so lucky that they had this to fall back on. Like looking at what they plan for next year. They've said so much about what they want to do with Apex. They want to do new seasons. They want to do new maps. They can bring in new characters, new skins, new, new guns. They want, they, they're really investing in Apex. And you hear nothing about Anthem at all. Like, it's 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 so crazy compared to how those games were advertised that it's just completely flipped around. Um, and I think that just comes yeah. down to the, the care and love and attention that Respawn Entertainment put into their first-person shooter games. Like it, and compared it, to something like Overwatch, like Overwatch Two is looking pretty pathetic compared to Apex, to be honest. Do you reckon? Yeah, like I don't. I'm not really inspired by what Blizzard's doing with it. Like I've kind of given up on uh, caring about stuff like Overwatch. It seems like just more of the same. I would agree with you there. Actually, uh, I think I think inspired is the right term. Like it it does it, like the when Overwatch released, I was all over that. Like it, it felt it felt like it was something which didn't really exist. And yet they've sort of just treaded wa- tread water with it. Like it's 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 if you were to play Overwatch now, other than a few new characters, it's very much the same game as when you played Overwatch, what three years ago, almost four years ago now. Twenty fifteen, I think. Uh, I think it's twenty two thousand sixteen. Okay, but sure. it's you no know, Blizzard just tries. It's classic. Blizzard, there's a strategy, just kind of dominate the market, and then you don't really need to innovate that much. No, but they, I think they kind of drop the ball with Overwatch. Uh, I didn't mean to bash Blizzard, and it's a sad day <laughs> when I have to pick my uh, the worst between Blizzard and EA. <laughs> I wouldn't say my favourite, but I wouldn't call you either of them anywhere pick, close. Um, you to you a don't favorite. have to pick Scott. At no point but, have we said Scott. What do you think between EA and Blizzard? Who's the worst? Um, both terrible companies, but uh, <laughs> EA made a better game. Yeah, it's um, well. I, EA, no, it was hardworking people at Remedy who made it. EA uh, respawn the distributor. Respawn. Yeah, Remedy yeah. made Control. We, you, we're both doing it now. Uh, there's too many what games Remedy, companies. What did Remedy make? They made Alan Wake and Control. Well, they're probably okay as well. They're pretty good. I've heard a lot of good things about Control. I've not played Didn't it. Didn't play it, though. I've um I've been recording footage of Apex Legends recently to, for, for my video and just playing some matches of that. One, God, it just feels good to just slip straight back. It's like putting on some comfy clothes and be like, yeah, I'm back. You know, here, here we are. Two, everyone's really good at that game now. <laughs> It's, yeah, we found that when we played um, the new map, didn't we? It's very tricky to get back into that game now because those who are sticking with it are now really good at it. And I think it's going to run into a similar problem that Fortnite had where it's going to be hard to get better at the game because everyone else is already so good. I would like to see them make some developments in that in that area to sort of help onboard 
new or returning players uh, to the game. I know you've got a firing range now, but that doesn't really... I, I know you can, you can test out different guns, great, but when I'm actually against other players, a firing range isn't going to help me. So I'd like to see them. I think that's what I want from the game going forward, is to see what they do in terms of onboarding for, for new and returning players. What's your next game? My next game, Cal, is... Cadence of Hyrule. What a game. <laughs> oh, you know what? I'm missing... A, a, a running theme so far seems to be surprises. Okay, uh, yeah. Because this game was a mass... When did this get announced? This was announced in April, I think, because then it came yep, out in June. and came out... Yep, amazing. You know what I love? I love uh, roguelikes. Yep. I love rhythm action games. Yep. I love Crypt of the Necrodancer, and I yep. love Zelda. And all of those put them all once. together. It's yeah. a real. I mean, people have said it was a bit short, and I'm sure, like maybe, but it was like a real Zelda game had with a plot and everything. You know, it had it felt, and the most amazing achievement of this game is it felt like a Zelda and a Crypt of the Necrodancer game at the Absolutely. same time. One hundred percent. I say the same sort. Of, again, this ends up being in my video. It's not in my top five games, but it's in my video of top ten games, and I completely agree with you there. And it feels like when I saw it got announced, I was like. Oh, is it just going to be Crypt of the Necrodancer with a Zelda skin? Like, because I'm not that interested in that. I love Crypt of the Necrodancer, but I'm not going to buy another one just for like some Zelda skin and some Zelda songs. But it's a full-on Zelda game, but in a Crypt of the Necrodancer style, which I think is such an interesting way of doing that. And I'm really surprised Nintendo signed off on it, to be honest. Yep. Yeah, me too. And this fits in again with our theme of, um, you know, not, not something radically new, but something that's refining yep. existing games. Um, I think this is all gonna, this is all in my top five actually fits in that theme. But this is something you know. Again, you can say, oh, it's not new. You know, it's kind of linked to the past, combined with a Crypt of Necrodancer. Two brilliant games, merge, and it takes real skill to get them together in that way. Yeah. Like again, it feels like a real Zelda game. It's got, um, you know, it feels like going on a real adventure. It feels great good to play. Yeah, it feels good to play. I love that um, style, of, that kind of gameplay of Crypt of Necrodancer. Great music. Uh, feels really good, good music. It, it, it they make strange the kind of roguelike fragileness of your character to more of a hardy Zelda style kind of you can recover character really yeah. well. Uh, uh, I just, think my my only complaint about it is it does become a bit too easy towards the end. Like as as you fair. as you get through the game, you you become overpowered quite quickly. Um, mm. I don't agree with it being too short. I mean, I under, I hundred percent of that game, and so I know the length of, that this game is. I think it's just long enough. I think any longer, and it probably would start to outstay its welcome a little bit. Yeah, and that's that's fair as well. And it's you know, it's a game that you can play on the train. You know, like it's a really good handheld game for the Switch. It's had a free update recently with a whole new story mode. Yeah, I've not played that yet. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. And to uh, to an it. endless mode, similar. Basically, they've they've put Crypt and Necrodancer in the game that you can play through just random dungeons. So that's yep. that's there as well. If you want, if you wanted it to be more like Crypt and Necrodancer, that is now there as well. So it's really like everything you could want in the game, really, if you like those sort of thing. This is really Nintendo delivering, and the, the developer as well. Who's he developed Crypt of the Necrodancer? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Crypt. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, folks. They're not listening. It's fine. Uh, brace yourself, games and brace yourself, games. Blitz I don't works. want someone to like tweet them, being like, "These guys gave your game a really good write-up," and then <laughs> but they didn't know who it was. We didn't know who you are. Okay, brace yourself, <laughs> games. Yeah. Um, I found I've, I'm so busy trying to remember their name, I forgot what I was going to say to them. Yeah, brace yourself, games. What were we going to say? It, well done. <laughs> well done. Uh, it, was, it was really good. Uh, I really liked your game. Proud of you. Um, yeah, and surprise as well. Like 
it kind of the personality of the Crypt of Necrodancer calendar characters. You have, yeah, uh, that's that's a franchise. I think that could really have legs. I hope they do more in that uh, vein. What would you like to see them do next? Uh, do you want to see them mm. expand upon this game? Do you want another Zelda game? Do you want to see you them know, do? I, I play another Chaos Hyrule style game. They wanted to make it. What about um, another uh, another Nintendo franchise within that style? That would be good. I mean, I think there's there's maybe diminishing returns because we can think of a lot of um, franchises where it's a funny idea. Like I'm yeah. just thinking, imagine Crypt of Necrodancer Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be really funny. But like would it have the, I think Zelda's kind of unique in the fact that um you know, it has the legs to be a full game. I could maybe see it working for Mario. Maybe. But even I'm not sure you wouldn't be able to do like an adventure or anything. It'd have to be something very different. Like maybe a side on rhythm game. Do you remember that rhythm game that Game Freak Game made? Freak me. Yeah, I remember I remember the one song from it that was actually memorable. Yeah, that was that was fine. <laughs> that was experimental. But, but uh, maybe like a side-scrolling yeah. rhythm game like that, but then you also you do lose the Crypt and Necrodancer style thing, so I, I don't know. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm talking Game shit. Freak's uh, track record with uh, non-Pokemon games is patchy. Yes, it is. Um, you are, it's, it's track record with Pokemon games is also arguably patchy, depending on who you ask. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, controversial. <laughs> but not me. Uh, are you done with Crypt and Necrodancer? Yeah, Crypt and Necrodancer. of Hyrule, really good. Would recommend. Um, it, it's an, I was going to say, it's another instance of... Um, a developer giving me something that I didn't know I wanted, but when I hear it, it's amazing. Yeah. Like there's that Tetris ninety nine effect of like, of course, this is amazing. Yes, exactly. It's exactly that, isn't it? It's just like when it was announced. Oh, that seems in- that seems weird. That seems interesting. But then actually playing it, you're like, oh no, this is the good shit. I've been um, I've got a thing now where I describe games as the good shit. If if <laughs> if they play sure. well, like if a, if a game feels good to play and like it's interesting to because I think that's what I, what I care about in games more than anything is like how it feels to play and how it actually plays and what the gameplay is like um, I've, I've started describing it in my head as the good shit never, All right, to, co- never to anyone copyright, else <laughs> copyright we own that uh, tagline now you can't, no one else can use it <laughs> well, that's, that's my rating for game like if it's good it's the good shit if it's bad then it's the bad shit Okay, uh, that, that's me on Cadence of Hyrule. What's your next one? Uh, we mentioned Pokemon, so I'll go on to that. Uh, okay. This, this is this is my way of doing it, because I've not ordered these or anything. Um, Pokemon Sword and Shield. Uh, maybe the most fun I've had in a Pokemon game since Black and White 2. I think it's not for everyone. Like Clearly, people have a lot of issues with, with this particular game. and I, I, It's not without its problems, but I think it's maybe the most that they've done to take, take Pokemon a step towards making it a bit more... I was going to say accessible, but Pokemon's never been an unaccessible franchise, and yet this one feels more accessible than ever. Like, especially when you come to, like, the professional side of things, if you want to make a professional, like, decent team, it's more accessible than ever to do so. I think they've taken a lot of steps to making it the the multiplayer more interesting, so... Yeah, pity about that online mode, though. The online mode, is it's it's it doesn't run very well, but when you actually get into, like, actually doing the multiplayer stuff, it's really fucking good. So rather than just having the trading and battling that every other Pokemon game has, this features an actual co-op mode in that you're fighting these giant raid creatures and working together to battle them. And I think that that's something that Pokemon's been missing out on because it's... You can trade with other players, you can battle other players, and I know that's, that's the the that's the crux of pokemon that's what pokemon's always been about but there's not been a lot of teamwork based stuff which i would actually argue is part of the message of pokemon is that working together as a team with your with your group of pokemon that is weird that it never really had that for you and other players uh so now to actually have that in this in this game is 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 really great i think and it, it sort of helps expand upon that 
Story-wise, it's a Pokemon game. You know you know what you're getting. But I think the world that they've created, the Galar region... I'm biased here, and I mentioned this in the video, but it's... Because I know it's like based in the UK. But I think it's the most different-looking and different-feeling and most interesting world they've created in a long time. Like, you look at like some, but, of the other, some of the other worlds. I know Sun and Moon was like in a Hawaii sort of thing. But I think putting that on the 3DS was probably a bit of a mistake because you can't properly do that sort of world justice. I would love to have seen a HD Hawaii-style setting. Like, that sort of seems to me you'd do that in the HD version, right? But every other, but, but, every but, other game has felt just like another Pokemon world. But the localization team really knocked out of the park uh, with the English localization. I would love to see whether the British slang that's in this game... Like, localization is incredible. It feel, like People feel like they're speaking... In normal British everyday terms, you know, like your 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 um your quote unquote rival always calls you mates. A bunch of people call you mates, but it doesn't feel forced. Like it's not like the Alola yeah, it, region. It does feel like how we actually speak. Exactly, it's not like the in the Alola region where everyone goes Alola. People say in this world say Alola when they greet each other. Like that's an actual quote from the game. Like they they force it straight in your face. Like hey, this is what we say here because we're in Alola. Uh, whereas here, it just felt like natural. It just felt like no one was. This world wasn't forced upon you. It was just there and you were within it. And it just felt very natural and real. And I think that's that's more interesting to me than being told, hey, this is a brand new region with with all these characteristics from the real world. Like X and Y's France, it looked like a normal Pokemon game. Apart from it also had a tower in the middle of it. Otherwise, it looked like a Pokemon game. Black and, and white. Horrible city. Yeah, that whole awful, awful city. Black and white, meant to be based on America, looked like a normal Pokemon game. You know, all of them look like these Japanese. These Black Japanese and white worlds. had a roller coaster in it. Oh yeah, don't forget that. <laughs> and that big city, because Americas have big cities, I guess. Um, but otherwise, look like a Pokemon world. I think this is the first one, other than like the Hawaii like location, which I forgot. Oh, Alola, um, which feels like a brand new world. And I think that, that that really sets this game apart from from the other Pokemon games. Also, it just feels nice to play. It runs fairly well when you're not in the um, multiplayer mode. And the wild area is really great. I loved having this big field-like area in between towns to go exploring. I spent so much time there to the point where it was like twenty hours by the time I even got to the third badge. Like it's it there's there's a lot to do in this game, and there's a lot of ways to catch Pokemon. Wait, so it takes the basic mechanics and expands upon that rather than giving you a lot of extra shit to do. And people don't like that. People want to have a load of extra shit to do. But I think the expansion upon the actual mechanics that are already there, I find that more interesting and in seeing like where they take those those areas. I want to see them develop that more. What did you think about it? So I liked it. I kind of bounced off it. Yeah. Like I'm still I'm it's been out uh, you know a couple of months now and I'm still like a like 5 to 6 hours in. I've not really I found it difficult to get the motivation to come up and play it. Okay. And I appreciate, like, it's, I'm it, I'm sure it is a good game. I do enjoy it when I play it. It's kind of not something that's actively motivated me to boot it up, though. Maybe in this kind of sea of releases that we've had. Do it's you just think kind of that's just because of, like, how Pokemon itself... Because it's still very much a Pokemon mm. game. Like, it doesn't change it that much. I think it, yeah. I think it's just the the best version of one of those. Um, but do you think maybe you just sort of, you're, you're less inclined to be into a big Pokemon game these days because you'd rather play something else? Like, wh- yeah, what do you maybe. think that is? I, I think it's, I'm going to say this is very personal to me. Go on. Part of it is the Pokemon um, popping up in the overworld like that. Okay. It makes me obsessive to want to catch them all. And I'm at the point now 
where you have to go back into the wild region for a second time. Okay. And my my brain is just like the wild region is too big. I want to visit every part of it and catch every Pokemon. It will take forever. That sounds exhausting. Just don't play it. I think that's completely fair. Like I, I think yeah. I think for all my my talk about accessibility and things, maybe it does give you more choice. Too much choice. Can you imagine if they'd had every Pokemon in the game? Yeah. <laughs> I, but this like, is just me fuck? and the way the, may, the way my brain kind of works. But so. I, think that's, I think that's fair. Like I, I tend to, with most games, like, like big big RPGs and things, and Disco Elysium, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit, has all these other like paths you can take. Like that could easily be a 60 hour game, but I finished it in 20 hours because I tend I can't mm. I can't like look at all these different options available to me without getting mm. some sort of anxiety. But, but but at least with Disco Elysium, you have to choose like pa- like an RPG. You have to choose paths to go down, yes, of course, and yeah. then you're like into that. Whereas Pokemon is like, here's the wild region. It's open, and you can catch all yeah. these Pokemon. And I'm like, and if they're just if it's invisible in the grass, I'm like, I can ignore it. I can just go through it. Or if it's like you just have to go from place to place, I can like walk through it. But if it's like this is the region and there's nothing to get me there's nothing to get me to to leave should i just walk for it i could i'll feel like i'm missing out though yeah or <laughs> you know how did just, you play breath of the, how going. did you play breath of the wild breath of the wild i think i struck um an okay balance between exploring and the plot but what i did is i kind of ex- explored a bit by like i got through each of the like the main uh mythical beasts okay yeah and then I kind of petered out. Then I then I was in a phase of like got to, um, got to explore the game before I beat Ganon. And then I quickly petered out for lack of objective. And also the Yuya Clan stuff is really annoying. I think a lot of people had that. I think a lot of yeah. people had that with with with. I think I think it's a pro- a problem you can have with open world games, in that you don't want them to have too much direction because then it just feels like a, a Ubisoft game where you're just being told uh, where to I, go I'm, all the time. I'm the, same, um, I'm the same with GTA games. I will play yeah. the plot in GTA games and not really mess about that much. Yeah, I can understand that. Or it's like, um, I once, I recall um, reading um, an interview, I think it was an interview, or it was something uh, with one of the Monkey Island developers and they said, when developing games, they said there are three type of players. You, you you set up your game and you tell the player go from A to B and there are three types of people. There's the first type of player will just go straight there, go straight to point B and not really look at anything else along the way. And type two will go from A to B, but they'll interact with absolutely everything they can along the way to distract them. And type three will just go the opposite direction instantly and do everything they can to avoid going to point B. I think and I'm, I'm somewhere much- between A and B. I'm very much point two, uh, type two. I am like, I'll go from A to B. I like that structure, but I will happily like mess around with oh, no, everything along okay, the way. Yeah. That's that's me. Yeah, yeah. Until until, but the thing is, so I'll hit a point with a game where I'll stop doing that and I'll switch across to point A. I think mm. it's usually around the midpoint of the story. So yeah, you 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 need to give me in games. You can't just give me a playground. I need some sort of structure, yeah. some kind of overall goal. Okay, yeah, I think that's fair. Um. Mm. And Pokemon does have that, but that wild area just intimidates me too. It feels like effort to play. <laughs> I I was quite similar. I think the reason I had twenty hours play before I even got by the time I got to the third badge was because I was focusing on catching everything that I came across. Yeah. And eventually, as happens with every game, I got to the midway point and I stopped doing that because I, I was like, oh, I just want to see the through the end now. 
for some reason I front load all of my creativity in like exploration <laughs> at the very start and then towards the end I'm like nah I don't give a shit anymore I'm just gonna get yeah. to the end that, that game as well more than a lot of them suffers from a problem of like you can very easily over level yourself yeah. and make the game a cakewalk I mean Pokemon games are always easy yeah it's, it's, well, yeah. it's it is part of a problem I don't necessarily see it as a problem um, but I do understand people who mm. have that um but it's it's easy, it's as easy or as hard as you you can make it hard for yourself if you want to by switching things up. Uh, you shouldn't have to do that. Like if you want to have a group of six, you should be able to just stick with that group of six and be fine. I don't know. I th- I think I bet if they brought in adaptive difficulty, like a, a level scaling, people would kick off about that as well. But that's the only way I could see this sort of thing working. Yep. I don't know. It's 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 weird. Uh, what's your next game? It is uh, ba 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 Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening. That's three Nintendo games in a row for you. Yeah, man, wow, it we, really is. Um, we, 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 to be fair, we're we're quite <laughs> a um, we do I, t- I think we do tend to lean towards more Nintendo stuff anyway. On I've been this playing. I only got a new PC halfway through the year, so yeah. most of my gaming up to then was Switch, and then since then it's only Switch and PC. So yeah, uh, you we, know, it's fine. We're not we're not we're not like massive fanboys, but I do think we tend to lean a bit more towards Nintendo because so you're biased against uh, in favor of Nintendo, Callum. <laughs> you hate so you just hate Sony. <laughs> I am not the biggest fan of Sony. <laughs> I won't lie. Uh, but Sorry, um, go on. Link's Awakening. Link's Awakening. Okay, so this game, I, I acknowledge its faults. You know, it has some definitely some uh, performance problems. Not on my list uh, at all, by the way. Yeah, I know. I I and I think some people found themselves a bit lukewarm. This one, it's a game that you know it doesn't really improve on the original. It very much just straight up adapts it. Yeah. I this game made me feel really good. I just I love this style of top down Game Boy era Zelda. Okay, it, the graphical style was great. I it was something that I just personally really enjoyed seeing that kind of gameplay updated for a new era. Um, well, not updated, just translated into a new graphical era. I suppose it's still Link's Waking, still a really great game. It uh, is. I think they they captured the feeling really well while it's not on my list I, I i i did consider putting it on there i think it's a really good zelda game i had a great time playing it still is. even even though i acknowledge criticisms like it is you know pretty looking pretty simplistic by today's standards um i don't think so I, I, think the art style actually, I think the art style actually really works i mean the art favor. style looks great yeah i mean just in terms of like there are only a few types of enemies and stuff like that yeah. i spent more time defending against preemptive criticisms than i have against <laughs> uh, praise it. this game made me feel really good it brought me um right back to that space of going on like a Game Boy Zelda adventure yeah. and it captured you know it captured the same kind of style that um, Link Between Worlds did yes I, can, I, I, I love this kind of top down Zelda and I'm really glad that um, Link's Awakening had another chance to kind of um, be discovered by a new generation I really hope it, uh, it heralds things to come that the Nintendo will reinvest in these kind of top down Zelda experiences so why do you think it made you feel so good? Like what? Just, I, I understand. Like I understand what you say about like it being like a Game Boy Zelda adventure. Like that feels very different to like Breath of the Wild or your Ocarina of Time and that sort of thing. Like it definitely feels like a different experience. But what is it about that that gives you like brings I you joy? I think it's just the theme is. Um, I know Zelda is fantasy, but I think the game, you no, know, Link's Awakening and the other Game Boy Zeldas have just a even more kind of fantastical theme. Yeah, like it's just being on this magical island with you know. Um, I know Ocar- uh you like animals like can you ride animals in this one? <laughs> that I might be confusing so. it with Oracle Seasons. <laughs> but but that, it's just it evokes memories in that way. Um and it's there just are feels animals like, in this game, there's an animal it feels, village. 
overall like a fairy tale, like more so than the other Zeldas. Yeah. Okay. Like the other Zeldas can feel like big epic fantasy quests. This feels like a fairy tale adventure. I can agree with that. Like, I agree it with feels that. like a story like children might tell each other. Yeah. Like Link he roamed and it and it kind of feels like I know like the the subtext or the text in some cases of Link's Awakening is that it's a dream. And it's but very it dark. Feels, but like all good fairy tales, it does but, have that dark side. But it almost feels like childlike in a good way. Like it feels like a story yeah. like children might come up with. Um and it takes kind of twists and kind of fantastical turns. And the, the music was really beautifully updated. Oh yeah, it's really good. I th- I think honestly, I probably would have enjoyed that game more if maybe they had updated some of the, uh, a little bit more of the game. Like maybe just changed the dungeons a little bit. Like I know that's not what they're going for. They're going for a graphical update on a previous Zelda game. It wants you experience it the mm. same way. But some of those dungeons do get a bit repetitive. Um, Eagle's Tower is incredibly monotonous. Uh, it's it's across many levels, and yet the game isn't designed as like as like a leveled based thing. Uh, it's too vertical for 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 the way the game mm. works. Um, also, the 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 performance issues are are a big issue, <laughs> a, a, bit, a bit egregious. But when I look back on the games of 2019, this one sticks out in my mind as I something I fair. really enjoyed, absolutely. and I will remember it like that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think I'm going to remember the performance issues with that game. Like I've still very much enjoyed it. And I completed everything. I'm probably not going to think about the performance issues when I think back to Link's Awakening. This uh, is a game that I will see myself coming back to replay just as something that makes me feel good. Like a warm blanket to, to put over yeah. yourself. Not, not necessarily something you need to complete start to finish, okay. but it's like a little world yeah. you just want to be within. Yeah. yeah something I can... I can drop back into. And yeah, I would recommend Link's Awakening. It's a game that I think most people know whether they'll enjoy or not. Um, yeah. It's one of my games of the year. Cool. Um, fairy Tales. I I'd like to stick on that sort of thing. I thought love only exists in them, Cal. <laughs> love exists everywhere, Scott. Uh, let me tell you. I don't know where I'm going with that. Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers. Um, is you the go ahead and and talk away. <laughs> this is your this is your time. <laughs> it's the latest expansion to Final Fantasy XIV, and it's a game that I can't recommend to anyone. I can't. I don't recommend it. Don't get. <laughs> yeah. Don't get into this game because. To get to Shadowbringers, there is so much you have to play. It relies on your, your knowledge of the, of the story uh, and everything that's come before, but also it li- you literally have to play everything else that comes before it because you can't just skip ahead to, to the latest expansion. But what they've done with this is they've created maybe the best RPG story that I've ever played. Um, it's, it's an incredible epic that really works with having been built up over the past six years uh, Final Fantasy fourteen is the epic of video games, I think. Uh, more so than maybe any other ongoing story. You're saying it's the Odyssey, it's the Iliad of video games. It is. Games. It is the Iliad of video <laughs> games. This is an ongoing story that you can't just jump into at any sort of, of point. And Shadowbringers is very much the peak of that so far. Usually at this point in, in an MMO's life cycle, um, you're essentially your expansions are there to to just bring new content to the people who are already playing it. You know, you can, you can phone it in a little bit and companies tend to. I think at this point, Shadowbringers is at the same point as World of Warcraft Cataclysm, which I think is when a lot of people bounced off of World of Warcraft. Like that was sort of, sort of that was seen as the the downfall expansion that made things a bit too simplistic and wasn't particularly interesting to to World of Warcraft players. Whereas in Final Fantasy fourteen, this is being talked about not just in terms of like great MMO expansions or great for Final Fantasy fourteen, but great for like JRPGs in general. The the story is. 
sadistically dark at times. Like, it goes to some really miserable places from the off. Like, you're, you're, you take, you, you go to another world called the first, which is a parallel universe of the world that you're in, and it's been taken over by the light. Uh, so whereas your current world has been taken over by darkness, this is one where light is not only just taking over it, but has essentially won. And there's only a pocket of the world that's left alive. Everything else is covered in, in light. And um, has been completely... Most of the world is dead. Uh, you also have these things called Sin Eaters, which are angel-like creatures that are coming from the sky and absorbing the darkness from everyone and basically killing them. Um but in doing so, also turning other people into sin eaters. So you've got these you've got these characters who are in the process of being turned into these creatures, and no one can stop it from happening. Um you are then there as the warrior of darkness to then bring back the darkness to the world. So very sort of typical JRPG fantasy fair. But then what it does with the characters that already exist and and some new characters that are introduced is it just sort of you, the, there's twists and turns that you don't really see coming. Uh, they, they, it, it tells an incredible story around these people as they fight for survival and I think that you don't really get that in MMOs certainly where you've got this massive important story going on around you and it takes some real risks of this in making it so miserable in a game that's meant to be fun to play um, but I, I've got to give them some sort of like applause for that I, th- I think they managed to do a brilliant balance between making it fun to play, but making a story that doesn't really hold any punches. Uh, that it, it makes you feel something, which is some, something which I can't really say for a lot of video game stories. When was the last time you, re- other than like, other than Disco Elysium, when was the last time you felt something in a video game story, like an RPG or something? Oh, it's been a long time since I felt an emotion. There you go. <laughs> See, exactly, time. exactly. <laughs> I, I really felt something while playing this game and i was completely hooked from when i began when i started playing it i did every single side quest in this game as i was, as I was playing through it they recommend the side quests for when you're leveling another character because they can be done at any level and yet i could not leave anything untouched because i needed to get every single morsel of this world and every single bit of lore injected inside of me because i really it made you care about the world that much i usually skip side quests if i can they're fucking boring and yet here the writing and the story that it had to drive you forward made everything interesting, and I was completely absorbed in this world. It's um, it's absolutely fantastic. And that's that's really all I have to say, really. Ah, oh, no, I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to talk about because it's it's again again it's a game I can't recommend because it's it's so much to get into that I can't be someone. Hey, you should pick up Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers. Um, but for those who are playing Final Fantasy XIV, it's it's a shame that they've put the best JRPG ever behind an MMO in a way, but also not a shame because <laughs> I, I'm, I'm behind all the game you have. Yeah, to behind play everything game, but... else. But but the thing is, the rest of Final Fantasy fourteen is so good, which is what makes Shadowbringers so rewarding. Like it's a continuation of everything that's come before, um, without any sort of like they've not really dropped the ball at all, which is incredible. Apart from the, okay, apart but, from the very beginning. But... But I could say that, like, getting a PhD is pretty rewarding. But you'd have to do, like, a full degree <laughs> <Okay>. first. <laughs> yeah. A similar level of time investment. Yes, I definitely. Imagine. I've played about 1,000 hours of Final Fantasy fourteen in total. <laughs> That's across all the expansions, not Shadow, not just Shadowbringers. You, you could have become an accountant in that time. <laughs> no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> uh, there's not much to, else to talk about it because there's no. We're not going for exactly any back and forth with it. Um, but that's that's uh, how I feel about Final Fantasy fourteen. 
what's your next game? My next game is Disco Elysium, which you've been playing. As well. I it, have. Instead of Nier, but it wasn't in time to get on your best game list, so I'm nabbing it. Yeah, Disco Elysium would absolutely be on my list. Maybe, like, really, probably really close to the top. Probably second. I fucking Dear loved God. it. I fucking loved when it. Was the, when was the last time an RPG had such a good story? I can't really think of one. Uh, Final I Fantasy XIV be... Shadowbringers. I just talked about it. <laughs> yeah, apart from um, noted game Final Fantasy XIV with Shadowbringers, <laughs> uh, this is the, <laughs> this is the first. This is, I think, really the best story in any RPG I've ever played. Maybe in any <laughs> game we, I've ever we played. We both said this about two different games now. I, it might be. I'm I inclined think, to agree. But, not obviously. Obviously, I've just waxed lyrical about Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers. Okay, but Final Fantasy but Shadowbringers <laughs> is like it's an epic, yeah, like ongoing story. Thing that you participate in yeah. Disco Elysium is a like a intimate study of your own character that yes, you create absolutely but the game manages no matter what character you create the game like manages is written and I really would love to see a full conversation tree for this game just written out because whatever kind of character you create the game manages to seriously interrogate um, so, just what drives that character and all the decisions you make. Tell us what like, sort of game Disco Elysium is. Disco Elysium is an RPG. It's an isometric um, role-playing game where you play a policeman who basically got so drunk and fucked up that he's completely lost his memory. Yep. Uh, and you wake up in a hotel room. It's set... It's not in the future. It's like an alternate kind of... It's past. Sci-fi it's it's 19, 1950s. Well... It's but it's set in an alternate nineteen fifties ish world. Yeah. But it's it's not set like the characters don't say this is the nineteen fifties. It's they have like a different calendar, so it's kind of an alternate nineteen fifties ish world, um, kind of corporate dystopia hellscape. Um, yeah. Anyway, there's you, there's you, no countries that exist in the real world. Yeah. Just really your, your your character is investigating um, a dead body got found. Um, in this kind of backwater uh, district of this city, and yeah, you but you wake up not remembering anything, and your character with your straight face psychic, um, or fellow not psychic really, you're his psychic of anything. <laughs> he's a he's a, equals, you know, a competent a com- well your partners. You, you are you are the same rank, but he is competent, and you are probably not. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, have to um, try and do some investigation and solve this murder. And the key thing is, like like an RPG, you've kind of got stats uh, that you invest in. But rather than being like fighting or like hacking or whatever, you know, in this one you have you have skills like your ability to appreciate abstract concepts. Yeah. And yeah. it has like your nervous system. So if you invest a lot in your nervous system, you might like like your lizard, like your instincts, like your kind of lizard brain. You might have a moment where like you're talking to another character, and then you're like. This your brain, your lizard brain will chime in and be like, "He's going to attack you. You should hit him first. Yes. And that may or may not be correct, um, depending on how high you level these stats. They can assist you or they can um, disadvantage you. And actually, these um, these skills will talk to you, and you can talk to them as well. They will come up as dialogue options. So you might be uh, looking at a piece of evidence, and then oh, your ability to like. You've got like ability to like see the big picture is one of the skills. It might be it, ability to see a big picture might 
uh, chime in and give you a like a clue, like a connection that you wouldn't have made. But if you've overleveled that skill, you might start seeing connections when none exist, and you can talk to that. So it will come in like a voice in your head, and you can talk to it and tell it. You can actually just ignore all the voices in your head if you want, yeah. Or you can kind of go down different um, different thought, scenarios, thought routes, isn't it? I think I think it's called like a. Is yeah. it thoughts? Like it's actually considered like thoughts, and you can like internalize them. And but well, that's another thing. So like these things can conflict on your head and in your head, and you can decide, and they will affect what dialogue options, what options you have. Um, I should say as well, there's no there's no combat mechanic in the game. You know, combat is it comes up like a dialogue option. Like you can, it might just be punch him is like an option that yeah. you choose. There's no like formal like D and D style combat mechanic, no, or yeah. anything like it is all done in the dialogue uh, and as well that's other thing you, when you get ideas you can choose to um you know you might for instance get an idea like communism yeah like maybe this is a good idea and you can choose if you like to internalize that idea which will give you penalties but also give you um you know bonuses once you internalize it i had or you could be, my character had you know an what? idea where he might have been a homosexual like part of the homosexual underground mm. and i internalized that and then my character was gay uh, you know what a fun thing is about that game? All if your of it. intelligence, yeah, yeah, all of it. But you know what a little innocent detail is? If your um, intelligence is too high, you can't become a racist. Wow, is this not an option for you? Wow, <laughs> my character was was kind of racist. Um, so I created a gene. I, yeah. I based my character on Gene Hunts from Life on Mars, and so he was this rough, um, this sort of rough talking, a, a bit right wing, uh, sexist. So like, like 1970s cop exactly yeah um but ultimately good-hearted i think, oh, I think is, is the main thing like he's 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 very sure of himself but he believes in the law he believes in himself and he's ultimately good you know he he, he is good a good person overall um and, it, and the game let me do that like it, it, it mm. adapted with that so like there were times when my character would say something that was a bit uh right wing or stuff and the game not only let me do it in the moment, but remembered it later on. Like, like my your your psych your your psychic your partner would remark on things just offhand. Like it didn't matter. He was just like offhand remarks about things you did previously. Like there's one moment where these kids are being really annoying, and I chose in my anger to point my gun at one. And I didn't shoot them. Like I had the option to shoot them, but I chose not to shoot them. Yeah, you know that is um, that's one of the few game over states you can get in that game. If you kill that kid, you actually like, get a game your, over. Your, your your partner will just be like bring you in. He's like you can't investigate. No, you kill the kid. Fair. Um, but but by the fact that I raised my gun at it, just sort of like threaten it. My partner remembered that, and like later on, mm. we'll talk about that sort of thing and be like, hey, just so you know, before we go into this, I know what sort of stuff you you're willing to do. Maybe maybe chill out chill out a bit. Um, I have. Yeah. Ne- I, I went. I went for a, a very um, a character out of the novels of Philip K. Dick, yeah. which is like kind of pathetic. Um, can't really get his way out of a paper bag. Okay, so sorry a lot. I got made. Um, the game. There are a few categories of cop that you can earn points in. I was maxed out. Sorry, cop. I was. I said sorry all the time. And something else. Yeah. You you can choose to consider your partner as your psychic because you can decide that you are some kind of super cop. Yeah. I did um, <laughs> against all the evidence. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think you. Can't, I thought that's what you're, Gene, you're, Gene Hunt would do. <laughs> yeah, it carries heavy penalties to like your ability for rational thought because yeah. it's such an irrational 100%. thing to believe. <laughs> um, 
I thought this this game was like reading a really good book. Like there's a lot of like all of this is basically you're reading stuff. It's a point it's basically a point and click adventure. I know it's an RPG, yeah. but it's also a point and click adventure and that might turn mm. some people off, but because especially me because I'm not into those sort of games. But this is so well written and yep. the characterization is so perfect that it felt like reading a good book. I was so invested in yep. this world that to the point where when I finished it, I played it all in 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 a few days. I couldn't put it down. Uh, but when I finished it, I, I had a sense of emptiness that I've not really felt. Mm. In, it in it looks games. beautiful as well. It's gorgeous, amazing art style. Can we, can we talk about incidental details of like, you know, if you never look at yourself in the mirror, your character portrait will never materialize. Oh, really? Oh, wow, I didn't know that. So, you, you know, you, you have the option to look at yourself in the mirror. Yeah, I did in the that early straight game. away. I, did, I gave myself yeah, If you don't look. do that, your character portrait is there just blurry. Wow. Okay. Because you just forgotten what if you look it, like. Yeah, you, because you don't know. You, no. You've lost your all your memory. Who's your favorite so, character in that game, other than your partner? Can I just say that with the partner, I have never wanted to do right by another person in yeah. a game before until this character. I, 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 I was so sad whenever I annoyed him or pissed him off. I was like, oh, no, don't hate me, please. Like, you're the only friend I have in this world. Uh, he's so perfectly well-written, but as, uh, as is everyone else. Incidental characters, um, I liked the little girl outside the bookshop. Oh, she's great. <laughs> that poor girl. Um, her mother did you get sucks. your did you get your 10 difficulty empathy check with kuno no i didn't i didn't but my friend will did and he's uh, like don't, don't, so don't spoil, spoil it but yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's it's kuno is amazing kuno is this like, is I this feel... liverpudlian character he's like, got like <laughs> but a, he has a liver he has yeah liverpool, liverpool, liverpool accent, accent and he's just this little shit he's just constantly swearing and like chucking rocks at this dead body and you're like for god's sake he, he's 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 one of the antagonists of the game, but um, I think <laughs> and it, he and you can get bested by this child. Yeah, you, I think I did. <laughs> I was his bitch. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, but and I feel like all we can do for this is give them like tell little bits of a game like this because it really is something that you should experience for yourself. I was so sure I know who the murderer was all the way through it, and there's some great there's some great twists. But ultimately, it, while it is about this murder mystery that you're trying to uncover. That's not really what the game is also like. It's not also also not what the game is about. Like it's about this world. It's about how, uh, like unions and things can be used against against people. Like it's it's about how corporations can ruin towns and like ruin people. There's like it is unabashedly like a pro leftist game. But it doesn't ever really. I mean, it doesn't also doesn't really go the full way in sort of giving giving like a hero or villain. Like every there's there's definitely like bad people in every sense of the word. But but ultimately, it's about a town that's just been left to rot really by by everyone left or right and can't we relate to that absolutely um absolutely incredible game i wish i played it sooner because it would absolutely be on my list if i hadn't the absolute culmination of like we've seen some the return of the isometric rpg rpg genre this decade yeah uh with some real kickstarter successes this is like the culmination of every good writing decision absolutely um, made in all those games i there's not really a game released this year that's like this game like even even in isometric RPGs, I don't think there's a lot that's really like this. It feels it feels completely unique. I think this is maybe the hmm. the one game where I was like, I, I lied at the start of the podcast when I said nothing really like blew me away. It's not my game of the this year, game. but this game really was like mm. I'm really surprised yeah, this, by this. This was a real like surprising one. I, it came for me out of nowhere as well. It's a game that I would never usually play. I don't like isometric top down RPGs really. I like like Diablo and stuff, but slow paced isometric RPGs like Baldur's Gate and things not for me. This though, yeah, I, I don't know what made me draw like drew me to it, but I'm so glad I played it. It's really like, one mm. of a kind. The fact that you couldn't get near working on any kind of emulator. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there you go. So I had to play something else. So why not this? 
Um, and I really hope the studio like builds on this because I think the next game could be even more amazing. I'm see. I wonder if it's sort of like lightning strikes once, sort of like you know. Oh, mate. Mm, well, there's only one. Do way they to do find this out. again? Well, not like I don't. Not exactly like this. Like I don't know. Maybe I mean the the world of Disco Elysium could probably accommodate another story, but you know, just a similar. I yeah, if they came out with a similar like dialogue-driven deep story game, I mean, I would happily play it. I think but this is the only it's, game. It's they've difficult made. to say. It's a yeah. It's, it's Zorm Zorm Studio. Uh, Z A U. It's difficult to say as well because that would obviously they'd be releasing that practically a few years in the future. Yeah, and who knows? I'm willing to look at go. what they do next. Um, would I play DLC of this game? Well, I don't. I've not completely finished it so don't spoil and let's not spoil how the plot no goes. of course not i don't know i don't know if a plot accommodates like a dlc mm. okay well okay mm. and as well the game is so based around uncovering like your identity is nebulous and un- un- unknown to yourself can you finish this game like, and we'll do a spoiler cast about it because i really want to talk about it <laughs> okay i'll try thank you okay cool okay uh, anything else you want to say about disco elysium Nah, really great. Just play it. <laughs> Just play it's it. It's well good. Just play it. No, one I think more than in, like most original well, yeah, most original game I've played of the year. Like just in terms of like blowing me away with how good it was and how unprepared I was for a game of that a writing of that caliber. Okay. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. It. it is it is an an other caliber of writing that I've not seen mm. before, really. Alright. What's your number four pick? Uh, I'm going with Mario Maker Two. Ah, uh, you really liked this one, huh? This was this started my Twitch stuff. You know, I, th- I think I've had a different experience with Mario Maker 2 than a lot of people have had. Also, <laughs> the way you said that you really liked this one, huh, uh, made you sound like <laughs> like you're just a you're you're a, you're a movie character who's trying to get some <laughs> exposition out of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you really like this one, huh? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll talk more about this. Um, Mario Maker 2 is. A Mario building game where you make your make your Mario levels like the same like the like the first one, uh, but for Switch instead. <laughs> it's got a few new things over the first one, but ultimately it's very a very similar game. I th- I think I had a very different experience with Mario Maker Two to what most people are going to have in that I was able to build up a Twitch following around it. Um, it's I I majority of my time was going. I think I spent about a hundred hours playing it in total. I was spent playing other people's levels. So I've really been able to see the the depth and breadth of what you can actually make in this game. And, and every level felt incredibly unique. Passion projects. There's so much you can do in this game. I've, I've played music levels. I've played a guitar hero level. Uh, I've played like boss battle levels. I've played traditional Mario like side-scrolling levels. Just the, the level of creativity that this game gives you with its mechanics, with basic Mario mechanics, is just fantastic. Um... It's a great game to to just. It's a, it's a game that I'll just jump on and play like ten minutes every now and then. Oh, I've got nothing to do. Okay, I'll just play. What, what's what's going on with Mario Maker Two at the moment? Okay, I'll play some Mario Maker levels. Um, it's it's, it's Mario. <laughs> what am I meant to say about Mario, Scott? It's it's it make your own Mario. Uh, I didn't make many levels myself. I made a couple, and they they were well received. But ultimately, it's the playing of other people's levels and getting to speak to those people and sort of see what went into making these levels that I found so interesting. Like, what do people do? Like, what what makes a good level? I think by being able to play so many different levels from so many different people, it's given me a newer understanding 
about what makes a good or bad video video game level certainly for platformers anyway um and i just absolutely loved it also it's got a campaign mode which i played for my girlfriend which was a lot of fun that's my mario maker 2 review <laughs> what, okay. what did you think of mario maker 2 yeah, I liked it. It was more of the same. I didn't. Um, it I is really more of the same. Absolutely. I found the one thing it wasn't as good as is for sitting and making levels with your friends. Yes. Because I feel like the the fact that you didn't have a separate gamepad made making the levels a bit more difficult. What do you mean? Like in the with a Wii U version, you have a gamepad which you can draw on by hand while you all look at the central screen as well. Right. Okay. But you could you could but still Switch, like make on the like, you could still yeah. create stuff on the main screen with this. Yeah, true. I just felt like I didn't have as much of that kind of experience. No. Um, I mean, we did have some fun times making levels. I really liked it. I wouldn't. It was um, uh, like an evolution on the previous concept. Um, I did enjoy it. I but, think it was. Um, it was really good to. Put, I wouldn't like, say camp- it blew me away. They, they put a campaign mode in here, which I think was really good. I think that's what yeah. the first one was missing. Was like an actual single player. Here's some levels made by Nintendo. So essentially, if you bought this game, you get a 100 level Mario game, which is what you t- tend to get from a normal normal Mario game anyway. Except in this one, all the rules are out the window. I think that this game alone, you could play it just for the single player campaign and get enough game out of it. Uh, you get to see Nintendo at their wackiest and weirdest. I think is is yeah, what really true. works for it as well. But yeah, it's it's it's. Um, I had a lot of fun with it, but I also realised that my experience with it is probably very different to what other people's experience with it would be. What's your next game? Okay, my final pick for uh, this year is Blasphemous. You you love Blasphemous. I really like Blasphemous. For quite a while, I've been searching for. I did play some real dark, some like proper dark souls this year. <laughs> some real but, dark uh, souls. Uh, some real dark souls. As opposed to um, kid dark souls. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't your mama's dark souls. Uh, but Blasphemous is a game. You know, in that kind <laughs> the of. End. Full, I'm a, I'm full stop. Blasphemous is a game. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the end of my impression. <laughs> no, Blasphemous is a game unashamedly in that Dark Souls style, but that really engaged me in a way that other games of that type haven't done. Maybe it's something to do with the fact that it is a 2D side scroller that I kind of like more, but it's um, it's a 2D side scroller, Souls like in the fact that it's kind of emphasizes, um, I wouldn't say pure difficulty, but like, you know, it's. Um, caution, kind of mechanical challenge, um, you know, negotiating um, difficult enemies, um, and it's it's lovely. I've it's lovely. <laughs> not, not lovely. It's in, not, like, it's not in, like it looks amazing. It's lovely. No, but I mean, it's gorgeous stuff. It's it has this um, the the kind of aesthetic is kind of Spanish Catholic apocalypse. Yeah, that sounds good. And as you hell. play this guy called the Penitent One, who is you know really plays the theme of self-flagellation. You know he plays he wears this big conical mask which he fills with the blood of his enemies. Right. In order yeah, to like annoy. That's it, cool. You know it's got cool um, you know mechanical challenge. Really great. I love the kind of 16-bit style graphics combined with that gorgeous, uh, gorgeously macabre and gruesome uh, visual aesthetic. Um, combined with some really entertaining fights, some boss fights, and I think I think the game is structured in just just the right way to kind of make it good to play on the Switch as well. I really enjoy playing this one on the Switch. I didn't realize it was on the Switch. But, I, I yeah, thought, it is I on just the assumed you're playing on PC for some reason. No, uh, and all right. To be fair, the, plat- the bit that has a bit of platforming in it can fuck off. <laughs> uh, that, that wasn't great, but 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 it does not detract from an overall 
really kind of um, sublime experience, I think. It, everything about it just feels so... I've, I'm going to say viscous. I'm rubbing my fingers together now. Like, it feels like you're going um, in for a bath of lovely sweet honey mixed with, like, thick blood. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> That's what it feels oh, like. I, and, I, I love it when things got, feel that way. <laughs> and it's decadent. <laughs> if... I know what you're doing after the podcast. <laughs> Scott's going for his blood and honey bath. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You put you put that on the box. <laughs> you have that one for free. Like a blood and honey bath. God. Yeah, okay. Re- really wonderful stuff. If it, did you uh, ever play Sultan Sanctuary? Because no. that's also a side-scrolling Dark Souls-like game, and I fucking hated it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just found it really frustrating to play. Was... It... <laughs> How open world is this one? It is. So it is, um, you get, you know, after a short intro, they're like, you've got to go and defeat these three bosses to choose which path you want to do. So you can do them in any order. Oh, that's not so bad. Okay. So it's a yeah. bit more linear to like each boss itself, as opposed to being yes. like, you, so Dark Souls is all about exploring the world and like yeah. discovering shortcuts and things yourself. Mm. But this is a bit more direct. Yeah. Yeah. There are some shortcuts, but it is, it's not, quite metroidvania okay. in that you are given dirt like paths and kind of levels are kind of contained levels like that you can't go that far off the beaten path uh, in my in my experience maybe i'm missing something but there are like <laughs> lots of there are lots of secrets to discover uh and stuff like that I think so you do get that and it's that direction i i appreciate that direction that ends up being yeah i, I think i would as well because that ends up being what my biggest frustration is with the souls like games is that i just end up like you, you die to a boss. You go back to where you were. You got to spend fifteen minutes getting back to the boss again, or five. You know, maybe I'm exaggerating, but like you're just exploring this world and like trying to figure out pathways. And sometimes you just get, sometimes it takes absolutely ages to get to the boss, and you die straight away. And you've got to figure out how to get back there again. I just find it so frustrating. Um, yeah, you do get pretty frequent save points, and unlike Dark Souls, this game does give you a save point right outside the boss rooms. Oh, so maybe this one's good. Okay, uh, <laughs> I would really recommend Basmus. I go and give it. It's not that expensive. I'm actually uh, so what I'm going to be doing this year on stream. Well, certainly, I'm going to try. I'm going to try it out. And see if people go for it. But I'm going to start this Sunday playing Sekiro: Shadows Die Twice, which is the new oh. the new From Software game. Yeah. So the makers of Dark Souls and things. So I'm going to give that a go and see how see how that plays out. Like. I'd really love to hook my Switch up to do streaming. Um, I need to find out how to do that. Maybe from you because I could play Blasphemous on stream all day. Yeah, with your internet. Yeah, my shit. Sort your internet out. Uh. <laughs> That's the rule, Scott. You sort your internet out, you can stream as much as you want. Uh right. but no dinner until then. <laughs> that's a that's a I I think that's I think that's a game that's a lot of people have missed out on. Blasphemous. I don't hear a lot of people I don't hear a lot mm. I listen to a lot of yeah. gaming podcasts. Uh there is more than just this one. Not many people mentioned it, but yeah. I don't hear many but people he's, mentioned it. He is deserving of a look. It's yeah, it's 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 interesting. Cool. Okay. Loved it. Great. What's your final pick? Uh Devil May Cry five. Which is style. <laughs> like, if, if I were to describe a stylish game to you, it'll be Devil May Cry 5. It's the most ridiculous game I've played this year. It's absolutely bonkers, but it's just so brilliant. Um, you know how Bayonetta is a perfect action game? Yeah, uh, I've been told. This is even better than that. So, like, it, it just. It just feels so. It's a, it's a third-person action game where you're running through the world, fighting monsters, you know, hack and slash sort of things in order to progress the story, um, fighting bigger and bigger creatures as you as you go along. This just feels good to play. Like the combo mechanics you've got in place, 
the 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 design of the creatures, the music, the graphics, and everything, all just coming together in just such a stylish, incredible experience, which makes you feel like a badass even when you're not very good at it. I'm not very good at these games. Like I I I can't memorize a hundred different combos, but that's okay. I can still do brilliant stuff. But if you are the sort of person who can memorize a hundred different combos, you can also do some crazy shit in this game, which no one, which I could never even dream of. Like it's just such an incredibly deep stylish experience that i i am absolutely obsessed with i love it's 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 what i wanted astral chain to be you know um i very very much wanted Mm. astral chain to be like my bayonetta of this year but it wasn't whereas devil may cry 5 absolutely was there are three different characters you can play as um nero is the main one he's from devil may cry 4 you've got dante who's from the other devil may cry games and also a character called v uh, Nero has a robotic arm because he got cut off in the previous game or the start of this game. One of them. And his robotic arm could be loads of different weapons. So it could be like a whip or it could be a... Uh, it could stop time or it could be a rocket. So you could, you could shoot your arm off as a rocket and then ride it around as a rocket skateboard. And, and what more do you that's want? Pretty good. What more do you want in the game than yeah, that? Well. <laughs> like that's that's the style of this game. Like it's it's very dark. It's about demons and things, and yet it very much knows how ridiculous it is. Uh, v, the 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 newest character who wasn't in the previous games, he is like this gothic teenager-looking guy, but he's very weak, like physically, and so he summons demons to do the battles for him while he like stands up back. So you're still controlling these demons, but like from afar. Uh, which is a very like different way of playing this sort of game, which is primarily before now focused on like doing the hacking and slashing yourself. While you're controlling those demons to fight, there's a button that lets him read poetry from William Blake. That's really yep, good. Really fucking good. And then finally, Dante has a motorcycle which turns into two buzz saws. So he rides the motorcycle, then it splits in half, and he attacks enemies. That's with rad, both as rad as hell. Which is just, it's just, it's absolute nonsense the story makes no sense it follows on for the devil may cries but i still don't understand what the story is actually going on i don't know what's i don't know what's happening but it knows how ridiculous and stupid it is and it just takes it up a notch the games are rarely will rarely do like usually you get like maybe one of these things in the game but every character has its own ridiculous bullshit that i'm like all for this it's absolutely 100 percent my jam it might not be for everyone, nice. but I absolutely love it, so I'd recommend that. Capcom's okay. had a good year this year. Shout out to Capcom. Capcom Let's has had a good year. Doing. You've got Monster Hunter still doing amazingly. Like Monster Hunter World is um, done better than any other Monster Hunter before, and that had a big expansion which I didn't play. Resident Evil Two, which I bounced off of, but appreciated, and also Devil May Cry Five, which is just incredible. Well done, Capcom. Yeah. Shout out. And the, uh, do you have any honourable mentions, quickly? Honourable mentions. Um, uh, you go watch my video. Fire Emblem. Go watch my video, <laughs> which, okay. which is out on I Monday. I want to shout out Fire Emblem, which was really good and um, didn't quite make my game of the year for me, but I definitely appreciate why some people loved it and spawned some really good memes. And <laughs> Astral Chain, which I really liked. Yeah, bullshit game. Even uh, if no one else did. Game. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna make, I'll, go, I'll give some shout-outs, actually. I'll, I'll give a shout-out to a game I'm playing at the moment, which is from this year, called Ukulele and the Impossible Lair. Uh, remember the first Ukulele game? Yeah, I remember. That was bad. Uh, this one's good. <laughs> <laughs> 
So the first I thought you liked ukulele. I like the concept of ukulele, but I don't like Banjo Kazooie, okay. so you know it's it's okay. um, it's just another Banjo Kazooie game with big old open world collectathon and who the fuck wants to play that? Whereas Ukulele and the Impossible Lair, which came out this year, is a side scrolling Donkey Kong Country like game. So you you play Donkey Kong Country Returns? Amazing yep. game. This is just as good as that. It is. It's the same. It has all of the same moves. Uh, it, you might as well be playing a Donkey Kong Country game, but it's new, and it's very well made. It's clear that they've just taken all the lessons from Donkey Kong Country Returns and just applied them here. Uh, it's just a really, really great platformer. Um, I'll give a shout out to a short hike, which is a nice, peaceful adventure game. I think I talked about that on the last podcast. And then also Sayonara Wild Hearts. Just three indie games there, which I think d- people deserve to take a look at. Uh, nice. Amazing. Maybe Babber is you as well. Mm. Oh yeah, great game. great game. Now, Cal, you may not know this, but one when in one year ends, another one begins. What? No, we're done We're done now. <laughs> done with time. No. But it's in a voice. Video games are done, right? <laughs> no, there's, there will be more video no. games out this year. <laughs> Shut up. I thought we'd, we'd done them all now. At least five will be out this year. <laughs> Shit. And for that, for that reason, could you give me five games that you're looking forward to? Should we do? Should we take it in turns for this as well? Yeah. Um, We're not going to talk as yeah, much about on, the man. games as we would do no. when we play. Well, we don't know much about them. Do you want to do it in turns? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, right. uh, you just went, though. Oh, well, okay, you go first. <laughs> no, you go no, you first. Go, it's fine, Scott, you go first. You clearly have an issue with me going first. Very, go very first. kind. Oh, sure. All right. All right, um, Doom Eternal. Oh, uh, yeah. Doom 2016. One of the biggest surprises of the last decade. Amazing game against all the odds. Because I remember that game, everyone was not looking forward to it. Especially because right before it came out, there was like a, a really kind of rubbish or kind of mediocre multiplayer beta. Yep. And everyone was like, oh, this is terrible. Actually, it turned out to be brilliant. Hopefully, um, if software can do the deed again and bring about, um, you know, an action game that's just as good uh pretty much the only good thing bethesda releases now are in software games that they also publish so let's hope that it's going to happen doom eternal could be more of the same and that's that's still good enough <laughs> like doom yep. 2016 was such a good experience that i was just sort of like yeah just give me I'm give me more Googling of doom eternal microtransactions and will it have them in <laughs> probably for the multiplayer side of things oh did you play the multiplayer at all? um no who gives a shit I didn't play the multiplayer either. In fact, the Doom 2016 had an optional download for the multiplayer. You didn't even have to install it. You could just play the single player mode uh, or the arcade mode, which also exists. So, what? What? Well, what, it might be. What good does anyway. a microtransaction look like in a Doom game? I don't know. Like power ups? Maybe I don't. I don't know. Weird. Young Blood have them in. Wolfenstein Young Blood have them in. So isn't that a single player game? No, it's co-op, yeah, isn't it? Um, all right well anyway i hope it's good i think it'll be good i'm really looking forward to that as well what, what's your number what's your number one well my number number what's one first, uh, first what's your first entry in most looking forward to uh dragon five, not even most looking forward to five <laughs> games that we are looking These forward are five to. games we're looking forward to there's too, too many to say that. um so i've i've not mentioned the obvious one which is animal crossing so i'm not we don't need to talk about that i've talked enough about this podcast about how much i love animal crossing i wanted to give shout outs to lesser known like maybe games which people weren't expecting like to use this platform as a chance to to mention those. Um, that, that's not me dunking on you for picking Doom Eternal, by the way. Uh, but <laughs> I'm going to pick one which is obvious for this podcast. I think to start with, which is Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. Um, yeah, I'm. You know what? I can't. I don't understand the point of that game though. You play through the Dragon it, Ball Z game apart from it's yes, also it, open it, world. It, it, 
It, yeah, it looks like you just play through the Dragon Ball story. So... But it's also open world, so you get a big open world in between mi- big missions. We get to go do some side quests. Like they've got um, the driving instruction. You know, you know, okay. you know, you know, driving lesson. The driving lesson. Yeah, they've the, be- the best episode. They've got that as a side quest in this game. Well, I'm gonna play yeah. it. I hope <laughs> it comes out in two oh, weeks. Shit. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, it's really soon. Um, that looks like the Dragon Ball Z game I've always wanted. In that, it, like, it looks just like. Like you're playing the animes, you get to all the big fights and things where you also get these slice of life stuff, which I think a lot of the games miss it's, out it's on. It's going to have um, an English language version, right? It is, yes. They've had an English language okay, trailer recently. Cool. I would not play the sub version. Um, but yeah, so it looks like a dra- Dragon Ball Z game. Like, there, There's been enough games now where you've done the Dragon Ball Z story. Like, who gives a shit? But what this game has going for it in that one it's a bit open world so it has a bit more of an adventure to it but also it includes all of the slice of life stuff so you can go fishing you can go to the driving <laughs> instruction game all of this different stuff which I think people tend to forget that Dragon Ball Z has the reason I like Dragon Ball Z isn't just the big battles and fights and things that they do but it's all the stuff in between as well like the the the, the downtime in Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball as a whole is sometimes more interesting than the actual balls to the wall action you know, and I'm really excited to play a game that includes that and remembers that and treats Dragon Ball Z as a whole thing rather than just a an arena fighter like all the other games have been. So that's why I'm really excited for that. I, it's probably not going to be very good. <laughs> it might be great. We'll see. It, it might be. I think the best case scenario is that it's a serviceable game. <laughs> um, I'm going to be completely biased towards this, but I will acknowledge if it's a bad game when I play it. But... I think it's going to be at least a good Dragon Ball Z experience. So that's why I'm looking forward to it. What's your next game? Cal, you want to shine the light on less known games. I'm a basic, bo- I'm basic bro. <laughs> uh, my, my second most anticipated is Animal Crossing. <laughs> why are you excited for Animal Crossing, Scott? It's going to be good. Animal Crossing's really good. It looks, <laughs> it, it looks fun. Do we need to say anything more about this? Uh, no. I'm really excited Animal about Crossing. it. On a little, it looks a bit more, not survivally, but a bit more like um, like they've 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 expanded upon the crafting systems a bit more. You can actually craft the stuff you're using yourself. You're actually able to make pathways and things yourself. I'm really looking forward to see what extra customization options they have for the town as a whole, rather than just inside your own home. The thing is, I know with Animal Crossing, like regardless of where how good the game is, which I think it will be good. It will be an event. Like I will talk about this with a lot of people I know. I'm going to be playing this for most of the year. I think this is going to be like yeah. my ongoing game for this year. Will be Animal Crossing, unless it's mm-hmm. shit. What? Well, okay. Which it won't be. Well, yeah, <laughs> it just won't be. What's your number? What's your number two? Uh, Tunic. This might have been on Tell my list more. last year as well because it was meant to come out this year. Uh, okay. Tunic is a top-down Zelda game. Basically, like like Link, like Links to the Past, like Links Awakening, a top-down. Zelda game where you play a little fox with a little sword, and he wears a little tunic, and it's a it's a Zelda game. Uh, you were talking you were talking about like how Link's Awakening, you like that sort of top down adventure. That's what this is, and it looks really great. It's uh, been in development for a few years now. It's made by one person, I forget their name. Um, it's being put out by published by the same people who published Night in the Woods. It's just it looks like a fantastic experience that I'm really looking forward to and have been looking forward to for three years now. Maybe 2020 is the year. Yeah, Here maybe. we go, baby. Good luck. <laughs> I'm trying to bring back Austin Powers as well. I think every now and then I'm just going to yeah. go, Here we go, that, baby. That'd be good. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> bring, baby. Bring back Austin Powers 2020. Bring back the Austin Powers craze. <laughs> What's your next game? 
Uh, Gears Tactics. I didn't know this existed until a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. But it's it's one of those... It's the most perfect idea I've ever heard. Yeah. Gears of War, of course, I didn't is know a, I wanted it till I, till I heard Gears it. Gears of War, of course, <laughs> is a cover shooter. XCOM is a turn-based tactics game where you put your characters into cover. In cover uh, and have them shoot at things. Why not? So let's combine the two. <laughs> why not put those things together? Um, that's going to be... I'm really looking forward to that as well. It's going to be on Game Pass, so it's not even like you have to pay for yep. it. Uh, that's yeah. I'm uh, I'm all for Microsoft doing a Nintendo and trying out new things with their franchises. Give me that. Any- when will I get Gears plus Rabbids uh, <laughs> Ninte- like tactical battle? <laughs> Where's my Mario like DLC like character? He just jumps on all their heads. Can I just say someone's fallen? I, I just need just separate to all of this. Someone's fallen for my New Year status. You know, on Facebook where I post um Happy 2020th Birthday Planet Earth. As if I don't realise that the Earth's been out for longer. Yep. Been out for longer. The Earth was... <laughs> <laughs> the Earth was released way before that. Um, it's time for Earth 2 now. Uh, someone's just commented with, it's been a bit... Ra- it's been around a bit longer than that, Cal. Happy New Year anyway. <laughs> Very good. That, that makes the joke. Like, that's... that's The joke is when someone falls for it. Uh, anyway, yeah. back to back to video games. <laughs> I just got a notification on my screen. I just had to say it then. Um, anything else you want to say about Gears Tactics? Nah, it's going to be good, I hope. <laughs> All of these come with the caveat of, it's going to be good, I uh, hope. I hope. <laughs> if you, what about you? If you buy these games because we're looking forward to them and they end up being bad, then uh, sorry. Another game that should have come out this year but hasn't done yet is Ooblets. Um Yeah, that was the game with, with the thing. With, with the, the controversy around the Epic Games Store, yeah. Um, I think beyond that, it just looks like a really great game. It's like Animal Crossing crossed with Harvest Moon, crossed with Pokemon, where you're part of a little nice. a little town uh, full of other people, but there's also these creatures called Ooblets, uh, which you grow in your farm and then send out in dance battle against other Ooblets. It's going to be a very sort of like sweet life sim game where you're also growing these Ooblets and forcing them into dance battles. Originally, it was going to be an actual Pokemon-like battle-like system, but they felt it didn't fit with the theme of the game, so they turned it into dance battles. It's just a very cute, cool. very sweet game that dangerous to be releasing in the same year as Animal Crossing, I think, because uh, <laughs> they are they do tend to fill very similar spaces. Feel, fill, but it's okay because Epic is guaranteed from a profit. Yes, exactly. So regardless of how well it sells, um, it, they're guaranteed a profit. But I'm very much. But hopefully, it will again, sell well. Anyway. Should have come out this year. Uh, I I think that was also on my game of the year list of last year. Uh, but it's. 2020 baby Ooblets and Tunic <laughs> <laughs> they'll finally release uh, what's your next game? Keanu 2077 <laughs> so, okay. Cyberpunk <laughs> I get it I get it Cyberpunk 2077 this is also one of my yeah we've, we've got similar ideas here uh, you've yeah. just gone for the bigger but ones that game's gonna be, it, it looks really good um, so I'm handling the big releases yeah. you're doing yeah. the indie yeah. stuff uh, so yeah, it's good. It looks. What can I say after that E3 this year? Looks really great. Looking forward to a, a big cyberpunk RPG. Tell me what this game is. I I know what it is, but but for those at home, I barely know what it is. Tell me what it is. <laughs> it's uh, an RPG set in the cyberpunk universe, which was a tabletop role playing game. Um, so yeah, it is um, first person shooter, right? It, it's by the is it first yeah, person? Yes, all first person. Uh, are you sure? Yeah. I thought there were bits in third person, yeah. bits in it's, third it's person. It's all first person. All first it was person. Originally, by there the was developers. originally going to be some third person bits, but now it's all first person. Yeah. By the developers of The Witcher. Fuck yeah. 
gonna be I've I've heard good I've not played The Witcher, I've heard good things. It look it looks really cool. Uh, it's got Keanu Reeves in it, it's got science fiction and cyberpunk, um mainframes hacking. As I as I've yeah. said, I would willingly change myself to be in a, a cyber version of me. Uh, so this is all absolutely up my alley. It, it, I can't wait to get in and be a racist towards the cyborgs. <laughs> You're not going to change your character <laughs> at all. Like every time it's like, hey, yeah. would you like an upgrade? You're like, no way. Stay I'm human. Staying human. <laughs> Cyberpunk twenty seven seven hashtag stay human. Yeah, it's going to be my. I'm doing the no og one, the no augment run. <laughs> Hard mode. <laughs> uh, this is really the big shiny game I'm looking forward to. I think this is going to be. Maybe the biggest release this year, unless obviously yeah. you've got some new consoles coming out. But this is like the last hurrah for this current generation, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's probably going to be a technical and hopefully it'll be great technical yeah. showcase on PC. I reckon those who have played it, like every demo so far, has been behind closed doors for some reason. Um, but those who have played it, have been like, this is some special shit. Like this is some mm. once in a generation type thing. If CD Projekt Red managed this, then they might have two like generation defining games under their belt. With The Witcher 3 and also this game. Uh, spoiler for next week's podcast, but Witcher 3 is one of the games of the decade. Uh, yeah. Okay, what what about you? Um, <laughs> have you heard of little-known indie studio Microsoft? <laughs> <laughs> I've not, no. Well, they're, uh, they're a studio, they make games. Uh, they also sometimes release consoles, yeah, but yeah. Uh, they're, they're, very, they're self-funded. Um, Windows ninety eight, right? They did. I remember. I'm not You've heard of that. that? There you go. Yeah, they did. They did that. Well, they're back um, with <laughs> <laughs> Microsoft Flight Simulator. Ah, uh, another one. I bet, yeah, yeah. This was. This is just called Microsoft Flight Simulator. They're, they're doing the Call of Duty thing, where it's just Microsoft Flight Simulator. No, no numbers after it. Just that's the game. This is the one. Um, I'm not really a simulator game kind of guy. I think the most simulator I've got is like Euro Truck Simulator. But what's unique about this game is one graphically ridiculous, but um, it's using AI and Bing Maps in order to craft the whole world. So you can fly anywhere, and it will create that for you. So it uses the data it's got from Bing Maps and then AI to actually create the full cities. It's it's it sounds stupid to say it because you think, oh, well, surely not. It's just going to look ridiculous. Um, but go watch some footage of this game in action. It's absolutely ridiculous. Like they've basically promised that you can fly to your hometown if you wanted, and AI will be able to create the town for you. You'll be able to see it from from above, and like in three D. It's not gonna be like it's not gonna be like Google Earth where you just see a flat terrain below you with like some images of your house. It's gonna craft that craft that stuff around for you. So that's um, I'm not interested in in a flight simulator perspective, but from a technology standpoint of being able to create the whole world and go exploring around it and seeing like these things very much interested in that um so i'm very excited for that oh cool <laughs> yeah that'll be good <laughs> sorry scott had to uh step out of the plane there to skydive <laughs> uh what's your next game um finally uh super meat boy forever really yeah i'm really looking forward to this one i love super meat boy when it came out uh, I, I really played i played the hell out of that game and I so so, want to so see why this game then? Because from what I understand, this is just an endless runner, isn't it? No, this is going to be a new Super Meat Boy game, isn't it? I've not got it wrong, have Scott, I? Scott, it's a, it's an endless runner. It's, it's got levels, but you don't. You just. It's, you, did you play Mario Run? No, this is, you're completely. No, wrong. I'm not. <laughs> Scott, I'm so, it's not a Super Meat Boy two. It's got the same sort of like style to it, and certainly the same sort of difficulty. 
and it's got it's got actual levels created for it, but it's more like Mario Run than it is like it is like the original Super Meat Boy. <laughs> oh no! Have I just ruined it? Well, for you? <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Okay, fine. <laughs> I guess that, I guess I'm not. Does looking that make forward you less anything. excited for it? Yeah, because Ender's Runners kind of have a bad reputation, right? Of being a bit cheap. It might be good. It might be like, good. They, they, they're clearly guess, quite um, invested in it. Yeah, I'm just right. surprised. You go, you go ahead, you go ahead and do yours. <laughs> I'm sorry, I feel bad now. I just didn't want to. Just didn't want you to have high hopes. I need to have them dash later on. <laughs> um, mine's sort of like my last one is is sort of like a two for two for one. Is that allowed? Yeah, the games that are already out uh, in early. Can can I can can I say I'm looking forward to one of them just because I didn't get the nine number five. <laughs> you can have another one. Think of a think of a new game quickly. Um, <laughs> So these games, it's, it's they're they're already out, but they're out in early access, and I've been playing them a bit recently. So one of them is Risk of Rain Two. Do you ever play Risk of Rain? Yes. Yeah, it's it's, it's that, but it's in three D. Uh, it's like a it's like a behind the it's it's a I've heard they done really it's well. It's a horde based shooter. Um, you've got constant enemies. You have to just survive as long as you can. Uh, it's it's very good. It's very fun. I'm it's it's a bit basic right now because it's early access, but I'm having a lot of fun with it. There is um. If you'll let me say it again from earlier in the podcast, it is the good shit. <laughs> it's, playing this game, it just feels good to play. The, the weapons are really great. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It never feels like it's it's really fucking hard, but it, I never feel like I'm I'm bad at it. Like I'm always getting better at it. It never feels unfair. And then the other game is Noiter. Have you heard of Noiter? No. Noiter is a side. It's a pixel side-scrolling game uh, where you're trying to get further and deeper and deeper into this dungeon uh you're a wizard and you you gain spells as you go along um but it's like a roguelike in that like the, the further you get in you die you start again whatever everything's randomized you've heard that all before what makes this one unique is what they're calling pixel simulation in that every single pixel in the game is simulated so every pixel has a property about it so it's either wood or it's coal or it's like it's, it's stone or something and your spells and things you do affect those pixels. Like it could be water, for example. And if you break a little bit of pixel underneath it, the water will go through there. You know, you know, like in Terraria, where when you broke a, like a, a bit of the mine shaft, like water would pour through there, like very naturally, like in a physics-based. Yeah. It's that, but for everything in the game. So fire spreads across wood uh, very naturally. Smoke will fill the caverns. Um, you, you, water will spill, spill like spill through through like any sort of gap that it has uh there's lava and it's 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 a very unique way of doing these um this roguelike experience in that you can plan ahead oh there's some enemies down there that i don't want to deal with but there's some there's some lava up ahead i'll shoot through the rock underneath the lava to cause the lava to spill through and burn the enemies enemies will then touch the wood wood will catch fire everything goes to mayhem but you can you can have these experiences within it that adapt to like you can adapt to the world around you basically in a way that feels natural like nothing's off limits really as long as you've got the tools that are available to you and again it's 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 just very good right now from a technical standpoint that i'm very excited to see what they do with it next year i'm really enjoying playing it it is the good shit did you have a final game that you're excited for? Yeah, actually, well, okay. Um, I, I was still excited for Super Meat Boy Forever. Okay. I do, I do like most developers. I want to see what they do. Um, you know, some of my disappointment was a bit faint. I didn't realize it in this runner, but I'm actually want to say I'm really looking forward uh, to specifically the new generation of Xbox. Uh, I okay. want to see, 
Um, Microsoft, as I've said a few times with podcasts, I think they are due a good console generation yep. uh, as the cycle tends to go. So I'm quite, and I think the announcement of um, the Xbox Series Xbox was um, was pretty cool. So I want to see. I'm excited. I'm not going to get put my full kind of weight behind it, but I, I'm excited to see what they do. You've also got a very it. strong PC, so like whatever Microsoft mm, do I'm, next generation. I'm, Open to being convinced. All of Microsoft stuffs can be on Game Pass and on PC anyway, so whatever they end up doing, you can play it even if you don't get this Xbox, but hopefully it mm. spurs them to do a bunch of different stuff in that space. Um, the Game Pass stuff is also... Like, I'm really excited to see what they do with that. Um, I'm probably going to get a new Xbox. I, I, I'm quite I'm quite excited. Cool, good, good choice. Um, which takes us to the end of the podcast yeah uh, uh damn it's been it's been a good year it has been a good in year in games 2020 i don't see it topping it i think with a new with two new consoles coming out i think that's what everyone's focus is going to be so you're probably going to see a bit of a lull beforehand like certainly in games releasing on current consoles certainly in some of the big releases coming out on pc i know you've got like some of the ones that you've mentioned um nintendo's probably gonna be fine you can see all the nintendo stuff I really want to be surprised this year, but I don't think I will be. I think a lot of the surprises are probably going to come from the indie space, but rather than from, than from the like, the big developers. Is there anything you expect mm. to see this year? Anything, anything surprise wise, or what? What do you what are you expecting out of this year? Uh, what I know is that the big budget game this in game industry will always surprise me of just how uh, <laughs> lecherous and money grubbing they can be. Yeah, what <laughs> I am so scared of like what shit is going to hit the fan this year. <laughs> this uh, this isn't a negative um, predictions podcast. It's not. We could do one of those maybe, but, <laughs> but, but, but um, could, like, you know, no but... one could have predicted what happened last year with with the yeah. fucking memory stick from Randy Pitchford with with Blizzard shitting themselves and and like expressing loyalty to china uh no one could have like seen that coming um i'm really excited even even for the bad stuff i'm excited to see what happens this year scott thank you very much for doing this podcast with me uh it's okay it's my pleasure we'll be back in uh, a week or two it depends when we manage to get around to doing it but um with our games of a decade fuck and then 2010s. after that we'll be back to regular podcasts um also yeah. next week you'll be seeing a witcher podcast coming up from me and jack evans who did the game of thrones one have you finished the witcher scott no i've not started it's <laughs> unlikely i'll be on it to be honest okay, well we'll do that without you uh but maybe i'll look into doing an expanse cast yes uh, that'd be that'd be good um Cool. Well, thank you very much for listeners for joining us last year and hopefully to have you around this year as well. I'm excited for it. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you so much for listening. Let's go and into 2020. See you, see you soon. Hey, Thanks for listening. blast off to the future. Pew, 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 pew. <sighs> Goodbye. Bye.